The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Tony Dunn. And not to it, but to do it, brother. Let's roll. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. Welcome in, Panther fans. It's a special edition of the C3 Panthers podcast. Have the Carolina Panthers gotten it right, finally, as they have decided to let go or announce this morning that they will be parting ways with general manager Scott Fitter as they conduct their head coaching search. Now they are starting with a general manager search and hopefully doing things finally in the right order. We'll be talking about the release of Scott Fitter, how this affects the Carolina Panthers uh, plans going forward, how they can continue to hopefully attack this rebuild in the proper way. And maybe, just maybe, this is a sign that David Tepper is learning. There's a process. There's um, some things that he needs to do to get this right. My name's Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Special edition, new GM, on the way, Cody Lack applying for the job, I hope. Oh, man, where do I sign up? Uh, bon voyage to Scott Fitterer. Uh, Tony, at the end of the show yesterday, you said basically that uh, the only thing that was going to be able to give us even a little bit of hope was this news that we're talking about right now, man. Scott Fitterer is fired, uh, out finally out the door, and, dude, Panther fans were needing this so bad. Uh, I mean, the absolute uh, just ineptitude on building this offense this season from the wide receivers to the O-line. You know, if anyone ever defended Fitterer, they said it was because Matt Rule made a majority of the decisions. And maybe that's true. But after this season and what happened and how this roster was built, there was no other way that Scott Fitterer was going to keep his job after what he was able to do with this team. Uh, you know, if he was able to keep his job, that would be the scary part, given the fact of how things have developed. And the scariest part of all of that was the idea that Scott Fitterer was around because he was a yes man. Josh Norris tweeted this out today. Many of Matt Rule's picks and decisions will be attributed to Scott Fitterer, but this season... Scott had a heavy hand in constructing an impossible offensive situation. It's that simple. Breaking news. Scott Fitterer has been fired. Now the Carolina Panthers begin to retool this team from the top to the bottom. We've got Panther Pickle in the house. The news that the Carolina Panthers are now starting a GM search and 
And and on top of their head coaching search, how do you receive this news, Pickle? Um, I'm very happy, actually. Well, I mean, as happy as you can be uh, with, with 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 all the things that went wrong this season and leading up to this season. Uh, beginning of the season, we had a lot of hope, and they were dashed and kind of went by the wayside. And uh, um, it, for the, for the first time since I can remember, we're actually doing a GM. And the head coach search, yeah, at the even same stretching time. all the, yeah, even stretching all the way back through Jerry Richardson's time, yeah. So um, is the it's first a new experience. Yeah, it's That's a very wild. new experience for a lot of us. So, uh, have a lot of hopes it's going to get better. So, Thank yeah. you for you guys tuning in on the chat. Short notice, breaking news: Scott Fitter has been released from his duties. As general manager, we thank you for jumping in the chat with us. Smash the thumbs up button. Enjoy your lunch like CK and I are on the C3 Panthers podcast. Welcome, CK. Man, I'm happy to be here. Um, Listen, me and Pickle aren't going to be doing the I told you so rounds today, but um, we did tell you so. Uh, You know, this has been a, a disagreement among Panthers fans as to whether Tepper is going to get rid of Scott Fitterer. And I have been on this from the get-go from probably about a third of the way through the season. There is no possible way he was going to keep Scott Fitterer. And Scott Fitterer and him may have a great relationship. And honestly, I believe they probably do. The fact that Scott Fitterer was still around um, the team as much as he was, still around Tepper in the owner's box there in the Jaguars uh, stadium, I mean, that tells me these guys had a relationship. But having this happen is not a surprise. This was the only outcome. There is not a GM on the planet you could justify keeping after having the amount of lack of success and losing on trades constantly through his history as the GM of the Panthers. Everything he has done has turned to copper. I mean, not to copper. It's turned to, to fool's gold. You know what I mean? We think it's really good in the moment. But it turns out to be not that great. And honestly, sets the team back another year or two years, three years, starting with Sam Darnold, continuing with Baker Mayfield, continuing then with the trade up for a trade away from CMC. The CMC trade will make you sick when you realize the picks we used for the the amount of what we used those picks on. This is just there was no other outcome. In a statement uh, on Panthers.com, it says, as we move forward with a new direction for our franchise, I made the decision that Scott Fitter will no longer serve as our general manager. Panthers owner David Tepper said, I appreciate Scott's efforts and wish the best for him and his family. David Tepper has decided not to address the media just yet about this or at all. And you know what? Another win for David Tepper, at least for maybe acknowledging his mistakes and trying to get this right. As we've continued to talk about the building process of hiring a GM, a GM then binding himself to his coach and them forging a singular plan together where they live and die together. That's how I would do it. Another sign that David Tepper might be starting to get this right is that he's not addressing the media on this. So Thank will God. Not, uh, yeah, uh, not give him, an opportunity to do this. We're going to be going through some of the decisions that led to Scott Fitter's firing, as well as looking ahead to how this changes 
or at least what we could see happening as the Panthers move forward. Someone put in the chat great comments already coming in. Uh, Stephen Bailey said Sportsology worked with the 49ers, Rams, and Eagles. Uh, and somebody also put the Falcons, where I don't think necessarily just because the far, the a team let go of their head coach, I don't know if that's necessarily a referendum on the work that the the advisors do do in the process. Oh, They're consultants, absolutely not. not. Like yeah. the dude, I mean, he was Arthur Smith wasn't the worst coach, right? Like I think we can look. He was plagued by horrendous quarterback play. Like that's really what was the defining reason behind his. He was never able to get the quarterback right. I'm still not like that's not like he said that should not be the stamp that you use to justify why we shouldn't go with a different firm. This firm has a track record of success, and I'm willing to give them an opportunity if David Tepper is honestly willing to listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Let's bring in Cole from the 252. Cole, the uh, Panthers have let go of general manager Scott Fitter. Was this the right move, and how are you receiving it? Tony, I'm coming down on the elevator right now. Can you hear me still? I can. Okay, I am on the first floor of the hospital right now, and allow me to do this right now. Woo! <laughs> nice we need it boys terribly i just wanted to jump on so some support right quick this was long overdue the most important thing that you said to me tony a minute ago was not only has uh hopefully david learned from his mistake but you put an s on that end because it was multiple he has many 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 mistakes he has made so let's hope he recovers from that glad to be here celebrating today i'm not gonna lie it feels like a win for the first time this season it feels like a bigger victory than any that we had all year i mean like it's, you know just being real this is something that our panther fans needed uh white chocolate with the one dollar says we stopped the bleeding but still in the icu uh, we are, but my my question is, and Tony, I know you wanted to kind of go over some of the some of the moments that really kind of sealed the deal for Scott Fitterer. But my question is, is what do you think took so long? Why wait until the end of the season, and why not do it mid season like uh, like the Chargers did? Like, why do you think this this took so long? Did to they happen? let go of their GM too in the mid season? Yeah, they let go of the coach at and the same GM time. at the same time. You know, that is the question that I think really needed to be asked to David Tepper, not in this press conference, I mean, or the lack of this press conference, but I think that was the question we also asked about why parting ways with Frank Reich in the middle of the season. We watch now, right now, Chris Tabor is on Panthers.com doing a press conference. The season's over, and you've got a de- you've got basically – uh, I don't even know what you call it, a lackey right now going out there and fielding the questions. He's probably having to deal with some of this Scott Fitterer stuff, and he has no future with the Carolina Panthers in any real capacity. So that is the question is, what, how does the timing affect this? And CK has been a constant in saying this, is that this is the hardest hire in the NFL is the GM because the timing of that general manager move seems important for hitting the ground running now a GM. But I think this is, you couldn't really start the search Cody before Mm -hmm. this moment. 
I don't I think, think that's, that's true. Why? I mean, how do you start a search if these people are working for other teams? You can't talk to them, but you can talk to their managers. Or, I mean, their agents. Um, you can't. You can't tamper, but. I mean, if you're, I guess the argument would be here, and here's my justification. This is where, and I know you asked Cody this, but my, my, my position on this has been we should fire him immediately. The only, the only reason I could see of other than firing him, the reason to keep him this long, is if you're going to have to pay him anyway. Like if he was under contract and there's no room, like if he's going to have to pay him anyway, why put yourself into an upheaval in the middle of the year while trying to figure out how to get your draft. Uh, uh, and like your, your draft report, I mean, sorry, your scouting reports and stuff like that. Let him get, get, do the job he was hired to do for that and then move on once all of that's in for the year. I could see that being an argument. Um, but I mean, I just, I, I, I think for the sanity of the fans, this should have happened much sooner. Um, for us yeah, to be able to have any enough. optimism prior to this, like that was the only thing we were, we were grasping a hold of firing Frank Reich was the decision that had to be made with the point that it had to be made. I agree with that firing. Um, this should have gone along with it. And I think they should have followed. I mean, I know the chargers didn't do it until after we filed, right. Fired, right. But they should have, they should have cut both of them out of the equation immediately upon firing Frank, Reich. It's there's yeah. no other, there is no other reason that I could come up with other than he's paying them anyway, might as well have him work. Yeah. And CK, you know, it really bothers me and shout out to Jay Thomas in the chat. And I know we're going to have no say-so in any of this at all, but the fact that the Carolina Panthers just gave up so much capital to go up and get their quarterback of the future, and now you know for certain that your next head coach and your next general manager played zero part in getting that quarterback. So now the song remains the same for the GM as it is for the head coach. Your sole mission and the mission of David Tepper and this group that he's now hiring to find his GM and head coach is to find a group of people and a team of people that are dedicated to building around Bryce Young and getting the most out of him possible. That That's the mission. Because Do you that's limit right yourself now. particularly, though, by doing that? Can you find, can you have that mission as a central goal, but not the only caveat for hiring someone. Well, it's the most important one. And to right. the point where I think that if somebody comes in and says, yeah, I'll give Bryce a lease. I'll give him a, you know, I'll give him a look for a year. I don't think David Tepper or anyone in the organization wants to hear that. I think their number one goal has to be Bryce is the future. And we have to build around him to see, to see to it that he's the future. You don't give away the number one draft pick in the 2024 draft, Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore to one and done Bryce in a year or two. So you're going to have to get a group of guys that have a vision for the future of Bryce Young and this Panthers offense. I think Bryce Young, I I think the Bryce Young situation actually could be an appealing one uh, for a head coach coming in because Sure. When you have a head coach tied to a quarterback that they chose, i.e. Frank Reich, and it horribly ends, i.e. Frank Reich and Bryce Young so far, that is going to be a direct you know, ref- referendum on that coach. Right now, what this is basically telling me, number one, the reason this seems like an appealing move isn't because of necessarily it's a great location, but it's almost a guarantee of 
up to four years of coaching. Like you're, you're very likely not getting any less than four years because here's the deal. You're going to have to dedicate the next two years to Bryce Young as a new head coach. If that doesn't work out, that wasn't your quarterback. That wasn't your guy. You can't be blamed for his lack of performance. He's not the guy moving forward. That on top of the criticism Tepper is going to have, have received moving on from head coach so frequently over the past three, four years that I think that you're going to see the next coach get guaranteed four years minimum before he's like that fourth year, he might be fired mid season, but if a head coach is looking for stability, there's no better place to go than here right now. Uh, That's true. And also, if I may add, Brady Christensen has just said online a few minutes ago via the Panthers reports that he is completely healthy now. He's been cleared by other doctors, so he can start start his offseason training now as opposed to wait till the middle of the year or right before camp, which is beneficial to the offensive line issues. But it can't – and I I kind of agree the the next GM and head coach have to – find someone to motivate or to work with Bryce, but that, that can't be your sole, sole, sole concentrate in hiring somebody, but it, it, it can be a bit, it can be a, like a, like a 75% or, or 60% of it, because if you're going out and getting a head coach, you wanted somebody who, who, who really wanted Bryce early on, who were maybe even planned. I know he planned for it. Um, you know, uh, for example, there's word that Bobby Slovic had actually planned for Bryce with the Texans. I know he's young, but, you know, somebody like that or, or even somebody. What, what, what scares me is if they'll go out and get a head coach who absolutely doesn't fit anything that Bryce does strong suit. Well, that would be silly, you know, to yes. pick a quarterback, a coach that – uh, just doesn't uh, align with what you potentially hope to build. Cole, as we talk about the future GM and head coach, how important is it? Well, do you think Bryce is a selling point to them? And how important is it that they see Bryce Young as the central building point for the franchise going forward? I do see it's very important. Because, I mean, Bryce isn't going anywhere. Whether we want him or not, he's going to be our quarterback for the foreseeable future. So you have to tie the coach and the GM together. And the coach, the most important part about that, Tony, is you have to put Bryce and this offensive line in a scheme where they can be ineffective. And that's where they failed with the last regime day one. They tried to bring something in here that couldn't work, and they wanted to make it work because it was theirs. You have to adjust to your talent on the roster. And I would like to see that more with this next coaching staff. Yeah. Um, Tony, did you want to talk about the other big news that's still kind of swirling around the Panthers considering um, who might be able to fill both of those jobs? Well, yeah, uh, let's uh, – I mean, as we – we the news is already breaking around the league that these jobs are coming open, and there's a lot of speculation and media frenzy going around this. Jacina Anderson tweeted this out earlier today. Uh, and she said following up. So was there a, okay. What a picture of Bill Belichick. They're really, really the least flattering picture you could give of this man that makes him truly, truly look old. He looks like kind of like the emperor from (laughs) Star Wars. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she says this is I'm told that there were teams within the NFC South with potential interest in Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. This is from Josina Anderson per source. Right. That was and then this was the follow-up to what she said about the NFC South. So, so she says this is I'm told that the Carolina Panthers at a high level have made informal inquiries regarding Patriots head coach Bill Belichick and its vacancy. Additionally, I'm told there's been a desire in the Falcons building to at least determine if Belichick would be a good fit. When I asked the source within the hour, what's the latest vibe in the Patriots building so far? They said everything is status quo. Which is basically like saying no comment. (laughs) Yeah, I think it would be hard to fire Bill Belichick. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I have a question. I, 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 and, and because I heard some folks talk about it last night or, or this morning anyway, um, I wonder if Belichick would, would, would simply agree to, to, to remain as head coach but give up GM role. I wonder if they could work that out. In New England? I, I can see, yeah, yeah, I can see him doing that. That would Just probably a be years. a very smart move, Pickle, because that would help them transition to the next coach. He's uh that was addressed yesterday actually. Um, Bill Belichick said that if it, if it was a collective, uh, if everybody agreed collectively that that was the best move, he would move. He would step down from those positions. Oh, okay. Well, well, you know, there's there's some guys. But, um, Th- Thomas Dimitrov is actually from New England. Worked with their work with them before he became. Uh, oh, Chris GM, Chris Dimitrov, and I can't stand that guy. <laughs> I, I know that, but we're not talking about the Panthers. But, but uh, he's available, so I can see a, somebody either him or like him going back to New England, and because he had, does have history with Belichick, then but that me, way if me, Belichick me, doesn't feel like a new guy's overriding him. Well, but let he me put maybe it, let, a friend. Right, I hear you. But let me put it to you this way, though. I, I think if if Bill Belichick is in the consideration. It's because Bill has nothing to prove left with the New England Patriots. He is already considered probably the greatest head coach of all time. Uh, you know, yes, uh, he's he's in that that air. Well, Tom Brady went somewhere else. He went to Tampa Bay and he won the Super Bowl. Right. Every man has an ego, and I believe that Bill Belichick, before he retires, he wants to prove that he can replicate some of that success with another football team. The question okay. is, uh- if you're going to do that. Are you comfortable coming into a new place and letting somebody like David Tepper decide who the new general manager is going to be? You're just going to be the head coach. That gives you less control to make sure that this is your grand re-entrance in another market trying to turn around another football team. I just don't know if Bill This is Bellis a terrible fit for here. Carolina. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think he comes here. Comes here. And not I don't the think he general comes manager here. and the coach. I, I don't think he comes here. I think he goes to Atlanta where all he has to do is coach. They've already got I mean the only thing they need in Atlanta is a quarterback. I'm sorry, I don't like to say this, but they are ahead of us. If if you put Bill Belichick at a quality quarterback there, they're going places, folks. I'm sorry. And I, I can see him blank before I us. Think- I think the best thing for Bill Belichick and New England Patriots, and I don't want to get in a rabbit hole too much of this, is for for his legacy to be finished with 
the New England Patriots. And if I was them, I do think I would bring in a GM and I would use Bill Belichick and give him a graceful exit over the next two years as they started to build a team for the future and to court their next head coach and really have him go out on a high note. The problem is, is that these damn Patriot fans have become such spoiled bitches in the process that they don't even like Bill Belichick anymore. So I think that would be the proper role. I will say that I don't find Bill Belichick as a good fit for Carolina in any capacity. And that is no disrespect and slight to him as a football uh, person or talent. In fact, I have the utmost admiration for him, and I would be wonderfully happy if he was our head coach just for the simple press conferences alone and that continued fuck you attitude to every single thing which I love, but there's no way David, Te- imagine the, what the meeting, the Monday meeting with Bill Belichick would be with David oh, Tepper. I mean, oh, it'd be dude. like, uh, oh. he wouldn't show up. He would just do, it just isn't. <laughs> and Carolina is like CK said, like in a, in a place where they're going to have to look at this for a long, uh, for a real long, like a long view whether they want to or not. This is just not a good fit for Bill Belichick. We need someone who, A, can work with a quarterback that can continue to hopefully groom him in the process and someone that can stick around through potentially more struggles, not immediate success. Bill Belichick would be better served with the Chargers. No, I I, I would even argue that he's a better fit for the Bills. Uh, because right. that's, that's right, like because uh, there's there's so, <laughs> there's so many people. I got a that, top two defense right now. I, I, know. I, I don't. There's, I don't think the bills coming available. But go ahead, dude. There's so many people that actually believe that if they want and done in the playoffs, that they're going to fire Sean McDermott. Um, and I was looking quickly here. No, I, yeah. I would. I, I would. I would go up there and help Sean McDermott move. They said we'll the same leave, we'll leave right now. Hey, what's the coach yeah. in uh, uh, Dallas? Um, McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah, my, yeah. They said the same thing about him. That if they don't do something in the playoffs, that that they're gonna quit. Look, there, Dude, there's, there's different. There's there's different types of firings. There's fire being fired for having a terrible football team consecutive years in a row. But you can also get fired with the level of success where you just don't ever clear that hump. Yeah, you never you never elevate. You can only get to a certain point, but you can't seem to get past that point. Right. What if uh, the Eagles got them? Dude, the Eagles, right? That is such a weird – I cannot – under. they are an enigma. You really me. think they're going to fire? Uh, yes, dude. Uh, dude I, I they do. have I collapsed. Do. Because I, I believe, you know, if, if you listen to all the rumors or the Indian Joes or whatever, before everybody said, well – the Eagles were coordinator driven because that's what made them good was the coordinators and both coordinators left and the Eagles have, I mean, they were good for a while. They was, but they've collapsed that. I mean, yeah, they're in the playoffs, but I, they're, I think they're going to be with severely in the playoffs. If they they lose to Tampa Bay in the playoffs and it's a convincing win that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are able to pull off against them, there's no, like you, you then have to look at one thing. Number one, it's have the league has the league figured them out, 
Yeah. Right. And if the league has, because that's what it looks like. They played very well the first half of the year to where I thought they were going to possibly go undefeated. Like that's how good they played at the beginning of the year. Since then, Jalen Hurts and everybody has fallen off of a cliff and they look, they look pedestrian. They, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there's only one thing that makes sense. And that is that people were trying to figure it out. They figured it out because they lost Steichen and, um, oh gosh, what's his name that went, uh, Gannon. it was a Gannon. Yeah. Gannon, yeah. yeah. Gannon yeah. went to the Cardinals. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is I think Gannon beat them. I don't know that they played the Colts, but that would have been hysterical if they did in the loss. But yeah, they, they, they have been, it's just, they've fallen off of a cliff. So that's another potential opening that could take away some of the top candidates away from uh, the Panthers, um, which is a concern, right? When you see the talent level of the teams around the league that might have a head coaching vacancy or a GM vacancy, uh, man, it's, right. uh, it doesn't yeah, look number, great. No, it's going to build and build and build. And there's going to be go more through that. That are going to come available. Right. But before you did, I just want to echo my thoughts on Bill Belichick. Um, I, I kind of am like most people in that he's not my first candidate. But at the same time, I look at this team that has had a clear lack of culture building and a clear lack of, of vision. You always hear the stupid ass ping pong table in the fucking background. I, I'm like, dude, yeah, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm so. I feel like Bill Belichick would actually be someone to cut that shit to a drip. And I'm not going to lie and say that I don't want that. So is he my first choice? No. But I also hear a lot of people that are like, oh, we're going to suck with Bill Belichick. Like, dude, like you could do so much worse. Yes. So much worse than Bill Belichick. Like, exactly. I'm not going to be whining and, cr- and crying about it. If for whatever reason they do convince him to come here, now I Cody, don't we're not good enough for us to turn our noses up there. Yeah, and I don't think that he does want to come here. If I'm being very honest, but if he were to, you're not going to see me pissing and moaning about it. No, I I agree. Uh, also, I want to real quick. I want to say, don't forget if if the word leaks that Belichick is is definitely out, and even if Sean McDermott gets canned. There's going to be some head coaches currently that are safe going to lose their job because one of them is going to be open. Yeah. Uh, I believe that. So um, you want to roll through them, Tom? Well, right now, just the firings currently is today or last night, Arthur Smith was let go by the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Carolina Panthers fired Frank Reich earlier. Did they really? You know, I, this is the first time hearing of that. I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. Arthur Smith uh, yeah. is gone. Yeah, head coach. It, it happened at midnight. The Panthers are oh. in uh, in the running for both head coach and general manager, as well as Las Vegas, who is who's fired their general manager and head coach, as well as the Los Angeles Chargers, who have fired both. Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley. If you move on, the Washington Commanders also in the market for head coach as Ron Rivera was let go today uh, as part of this. So um, you already have the Washington Commanders looking to be leading the charge and trying to secure their GM and their head coach. Right now they have requested interviews with Chiefs assistant GM Mike Berganzi, Browns assistant GM and VP of player personnel Glenn Cook, 
Bears assistant general manager Ian Cunningham and 49ers assistant general manager Adam Peters. They have all those names. Yeah, they have now. uh, Here are the head coaching interview requests that they have already put in for Aaron Glenn, Lions defensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions. Defensive coordinator Raheem Morris and Ravens assistant head head coach, defensive line coach Anthony Weaver. So right now it looks like the Washington commanders are trying to move swiftly or the swiftest in this process. There is some competition out there for the Carolina Panthers. And now I guess we should ask, uh, do we go with which one of these jobs is the most attractive or do we talk about Scott Fitterer? Um, um, I'll tell you what, let, let's do Fitterer first since he's the man of the hour. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's priority he's the, one. Yeah, he's priority one. Uh, Tony, you wanted to do it, yeah. so I'll let, I'll let you go first. Like, yeah. let, let, let's recount the moments that, that you think were essentially what, what sealed the deal or Maybe where where he failed um, more than other places. Tony, I'll let you go first. All right. I'd like to thank the 176 people watching the C3 Panthers podcast, this special edition, as Scott Fitterer was a let go as the Carolina Panthers general manager. 180 now. You can help the C3 Panthers podcast, the longest-running Panthers podcast, continue to grow by subscribing, smashing the thumbs-up button, joining in the chat or just being super cool and sharing the link. What we want to do now is as the Panthers have put out a very uh, thin statement about parting ways with uh, Scott Fitter, which is actually a sign of good that the Panthers are saying less saying less, just put it out there in a written form. Tepper cannot throw a temper tantrum and screw it all up. Why is it that Scott Fitter now has been released from his duties. Scott Fitterer was hired in 2021 following um, the first season. The way this process worked is the Carolina Panthers parted ways with Ron Rivera at the end of the 2019-2020 season there. They then went out and hired Matt Rule, uh, who was the sexy name among candidates that hot names at the time. One of the things that Matt Rule had refused to go to the New York Jets or had some problems earlier on a couple of years before because he wanted full control in selecting his staff and in his contractual negotiation with the Carolina Panthers was able to secure final say on roster personnel from what we can tell. Part of this hiring process for Marty was involved former GM Marty Herney, Meatball Marty Herney, as they then went and got Matt Rule. Um, Marty Herney helped Matt Rule in his first season uh, acclimate to the NFL through that, but then they decided to move on to, and this is when they went and got Scott Fitter after the 2021 season, or 2020 season, excuse me. Scott Fitter was brought in uh, right around the draft, maybe? Uh, it was before, it was before before the draft because yeah, he was, did a was, lot of movement in that second so remember, Matt Rule yeah, draft. We had one year of Matt Rule and Marty Herney, 
where they drafted was, eight defensive players. Yeah, that was the same year that we drafted Derek Brown, Detroit Gross Models. Uh, the very we got next Teddy year, Bridgewater as a free agent. Yes, the very next year is when Scott Federer comes aboard, and now we know that basically he comes into this role knowing that Matt Rule has all the final roster say so. Yeah, he's so got to he play nice with Matt Rule, rub elbows with him. Yeah, right. And it looked like he did that pretty successfully in the beginning as they navigated the draft a lot, trading back and accumulating draft picks. This is when a lot of Carolina Panthers fans got excited about the Scott Fitter development because one of the things historically when it comes to the Carolina Panthers is they did not move around a lot in the draft. And as Scott Fitterer moved back and up, we thought, hey, action means this guy is working. This is when they assigned him the laser eyes right away. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, once you start trading around and moving around, which is something that Panthers GMs historically have not done, a lot of Panther fans felt like, oh, okay, this is the start of something new. We're going to approach the draft a little bit differently. And, you know, I don't even know that the approach in the draft and how we approach the draft was ever the problem, at least until last year. It was the amount of bust, the amount of picks that we drafted that never ended up doing anything for the Carolina Panthers at all. Uh, then a lot of your first-round picks that you did make, we're still wondering about. We don't know who J.C. Horn is yet. He's good when he's there, but he hasn't been there a whole lot. Um, then you have Akim Aquanu, and we all know the conversation around Akim right now. He certainly doesn't look like a franchise left tackle like you drafted him to be, uh, but that was the guy you drafted. Uh, and then we have Bryce Young, and we all know that the jury is still out on mm-hmm. that as well. Uh, so his ability to draft, has to have been one of his biggest downfalls um, on this team. Just, just a, an inability to hit on talent when it matters the most. When he started that 2021 draft, uh, we the navigating the draft was exciting because we hadn't seen that. It looked like we were going to be acquiring some picks and doing right. some different things. It was. Here are the, some of the free agents. If you remember this, though, there was a couple of moves that first season that became maybe red flags or also started whether or not they should be associated with um, Scott Fitter. We can't be clear entirely. Dan Arnold, remember that tight end that we assigned and we're excited about an offensive threat, uh, didn't play, but maybe two or three games and then was part of a trade for CJ Henderson. Pat Eflin was a, a free agent signing not the worst because he played center better than he played guard at times. Cam Irving was a free agent signing Morgan Fox and Frankie Louvu. All mm-hmm. free agents brought in at the time. The question is, is uh, Rashawn Melvin, David Moore, Denzel Perryman. Oh, the Denzel Perryman story was bizarre too. As Denzel Perryman uh, was brought in and then released Due to injury, and, I think, right? Um, because he got injured in preseason, big. and we or in training camp. Yeah. So they released him because he had already been injury prone prior to that. He and went to the he Raiders. Pro Bowl. 
with the Raiders, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hassan Reddick, also a free agent. The thing is, really great year. One to be excited about in the beginning through free agency and the draft at that point. We're giving Scott Fitter the laser eyes at that moment. Yeah. Um, but again, there's a couple of things here as you see uh, the fingerprints of Matt Rule, particularly on the Frank, Frankie Louvu signing. But then that brings us to one of the most controversial moments in Scott Fitterer's tenure as a Carolina Panther as they parted ways with Teddy Bridgewater. The Carolina Panthers then, then decided, well, first – to put some context in it, we're hard in the running for Deshaun Watson at, uh, at the time. And I don't think that we pinpoint on that enough, just how hard the Panthers were pushing for Deshaun, even before he was cleared of all the allegations. Right, which is, thankfully, man, imagine where we'd be at with that bum. On top of that, they were also courting, they were all, they were trying to get Matthew Stafford and really close to inking the deal, it sounded like. But Stafford was able to, and good for him, went to uh, Los Angeles, was able to win yeah. a Super Bowl. But as the Carolina Panthers had burnt their bridge with Teddy Bridgewater, they had then uh, swung and missed on both the Deshaun Watson and the Matthew Stafford kind of sweepstakes. They then made a move. Out of desperation, they went and traded for Sam, Sammy Dimes, Sam Darnold. This right here, it's hard to pinpoint just how much this was Scott Fitter, how much this was being pushed on by David Tepper and Matt Rule. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, I believe, gave a fourth, a second, and a six, maybe. Yeah, a second for Sam Darnold. I thought it was a fit. Yeah. It was either it was either a fifth. Well, or I a think sixth. it was a sixth. Well, and, and look, listen, and let me even anyway. defend. Let me even defend Federer. Uh, I really do believe that all the quarterback situations, or that the decisions, rather, I believe they were on Matt Rule. We know and David that, Tepper. Yeah, I agree. But, but, I agree. But, but, no, I, don't, I really don't even think David Tepper, Tony, because I, the the rumors were in 2020 and in 2021, David Tepper and a lot of people in the organization really liked Justin Herbert in 2020, and a lot of them really liked Justin Fields in 2021, and that they would, they would be okay if they would have gone with either of them. I feel like Matt Rule, remember, Matt Rule and Phil Snow said Sammy Darnold uh, seemed like another version of Matthew Stafford. They were really obsessed with Matthew Stafford and trying to get their own version of a Matthew Stafford. Or Matthew Stafford himself. Yeah, or Matthew yeah, That's what I'm saying. So uh, I, I really do believe that that one of the mistakes that Fitter uh, made was if he had any strong convictions about any certain quarterback, that he didn't do his job in pounding the table. And yes, Matt Rule has the final say so, but if there was belief at any point in time that there was a player or a quarterback available that you would have been able to build around, then you should have done so. And by the way, Teddy Bridgewater being on the team was not even a bridge too far for that to happen. If you drafted Justin Fields, you could have sat him uh, behind Teddy Bridgewater for a year of time. And then when Justin was ready, you would have handed him a DJ Moore and a Christian McCaffrey and a Robbie Anderson. You would have had players 
to, to build around for a young quarterback. It, to me, Federer seems like he had zero conviction to fight. Very similar to Frank Reich this year, Tony. CK, Federer was new on the job at that moment. His job was to come in and help arm Matt Rule with the weapon or what his needs were. So while Cody calls for him to bang and slam on the table and say this is not the right move, is that he was in many ways doing the bidding of what these head coach and David Tepper were desiring so much, and that was sure. they found the allure. And this was the tease, CK, and we've seen the tease again in the past year. And that is the idea that you're close, that you're close. And Matt Rule and them had a little bit more success, I think, in the first year than maybe anticipated. Things went a little bit better. Then uh, they started to believe that they were a little closer than they truly were. And the idea was that the quarterback was hindering them. The quarterback was hindering them. And they started to flail and desperately search for that quarterback probably a year too early. But is that on Fitter? Was the trade for Sam Darnold a negative stain on Fitter's legacy in your mind? Does it start a crack in the foundation that led to this firing? It starts the crack, yes. Um, I think we can all look back and – the next year, I mean, I, I think we could forgive the first year had things continued to get better, right? He was he was his first year as a GM. A lot of those moves that he made in his first year, we were praising that didn't turn out to be great. There were some gems such as uh, uh, such as Luvu, but for the most part, it was it was okay, you know. Um, to have it be the I don't think you could have carried that into the next year as a huge negative against him um, because of the uh, the uncertainty around how much control rule had in the system um, but as we continue to progress and we see a pattern begin to arise one of Robbie Anderson getting paid uh, after that one year and, and getting overpaid. Like um, at this point in time, we look back and it's probably hysterical how much he got paid. Chosen, right? chosen. Yeah, chosen. My apologies. That Robbie at the time. I, yeah, chosen, chosen. He changed his <laughs> first oh, name to God. chosen. Then he changed his last name to chosen. So I call him right. chosen, chosen. But you well, know, he heard that's what Cam Newton named his son. And he's like, damn, I'm going to steal that flow right there. Uh, no, he said, you know, that tells me how much he wanted to be Cam Newton's son. Um, so as far as, uh, so as far as having, having the first year, I don't think you can count that against them. It's just the, the pattern of horrible decisions after horrible decisions after horrible decisions. It'd be a difference. Like, here's the thing. You see the good teams trade away their assets and they, they replace them with things that are that, you know, make it almost like I can go get, you know, whatever. Miami Dolphins right. getting rid of some of their biggest players, but they, Uncle, you know, what, no big but, deal. Yeah. Right. Uh, but no big deal. You know, we'll replace them and they replace them and they get better. Right. You see what they traded away. See, I, I hate to go back to this, but that CMC trade in that oh. moment, I know we were all excited. Right. But mm. we knew what type of talent he had. Right. The fact that he got, we got the haul we did. We thought that was the most we were going to get, which is, it is true. That was the most we were going to get in that moment. But to see what we use those picks on, like by the way, the that's everybody wants to talk about trades. That's yeah. where the all these trades look horrible is because oh, we gosh. know what they become. In fact, so yeah, I, it, 
and here's the thing. I want you to go back and look at those picks. I really do. I want you to see the names because Bryce Young was not the primary recipient for that CMC trade. Like he might've been one of those picks that we got out of four picks. And it was a later one. It was not Bryce Young that got us that pick or that, that, that got, that we got from CMC. It was a lot of people that are absolute no names that I don't even think might even be on the team anymore. Like that's how bad it's hysterical. Pickle, let's uh, stick with this um, Sam Darnold moment, though, early in Scott Fitter's tenure. Alex Stark put the details in the chat. He says, we traded a 2021 second and a six and a 2022 fourth for Sam Darnold. Pickle, I think uh, the crack in the foundation, or at least a lot of Panther fans in retrospect, I'll ask you two questions. Was this too much for Sam Darnold at the time? And was the real problem that the Carolina Panthers picked up his fifth-year option before he played a snap? Um, I think it was too much for Sam um, I, because, he, he, to me, he didn't show you enough when he was with the Jets to value that much. Uh, as far as the fifth-year option, in a way, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Scott, but I, I I wouldn't have done it myself. But at the time you traded for him, by the fifth of May, you had to make the decision if you pick your pick up the fifth year option or not. And being that he made that decision, and it it was kind of like a catch because if you don't, and Sam turns out to be the next best. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to pay him free agent money. Him. Exactly. So, but if you do pay him, you're paying him eighteen million. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I know other GMs have said, okay, let's re-sign him to a small deal, but that way we don't have to give him the fifth-year option or the franchise tag. I, I, I just think that should have, and I think a more experienced GM would have tried to sign Sam right. to a two-year deal to where you give you a little more flexibility a, in the cap. As a part even, of the trade. Exactly. Even if you have to guarantee some other bit of a bonus. But, you know, Federer was brought here, I, I recall, uh, the Chiefs assistant GM, Borgonzi, was between him or, or Federer. And they went with Federer because Federer was used to being under a GM who was second wheel to the head coach. That's what they wanted to do with Fitterer. They brought Fitterer to be Matt Rule's second wheel. And yeah. 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 Didn't work um, out. I and think I, I, going back to this Sam Donald trade, the kind of the beginning of the problems for the Carolina Panthers really just continued to circle around that quarterback. I think for me that even more so than the fifth year option, I just feel that the Panthers had to pet trade too much for Sam Darnold in the moment. And I actually think Sam Darnold could have been an additional bridge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do at agree. The end, at the end of last year. It. At the end of last year, Sam Darnold was playing his best football that he's ever had in his life. And you know what even makes the Sam Darnold trade even worse? Is that it was the cascade effect to Baker Mayfield? Is that right. because you made the wrong decision that year? Then you're like, okay, well, we had no other options. We all know that Matt Corral was a panic pick because they didn't know at that time of the draft 
that they were going to get Baker Mayfield. So they drafted Matt Corral as like an insurance policy and still went and got Baker Mayfield. All of those were panicked decisions, and no one thought that either of those guys, or the, all three of them, that after Sam Donald wor- uh, didn't work out, nobody thought that Sam, Baker, or Matt Corral were going to be the future in this organization. No one ever believed in any of them, and yet they still brought them here to this team. Uh, it, it's like, you know, it, it's a domino effect. You make one wrong decision, that cascades into another one, that cascades into another one. It's uh, the quarterback position is what almost gets every gym, general manager killed, doesn't it? Like, yeah, uh, where, yeah, and maybe not in this one. We'll get, we'll get to that. CK's got to return back to work, though. So I'll give you a final word, CK. What did it for you? Um, it's three drafts of not being able to. One of the reasons we got rid of Herney is he was only good on the first round, and then afterwards it was like a crapshoot. Like it was just not hitting. Scott Fitterer, he can't even hold his hang his hat on the first round. It is worse when you get into the later rounds, which you would logically expect. But the fact that it is bad, that there is nothing that you can point to in his tenure where you thought, man, he hit the nail on the head with that pick. Right. Or even All, just a couple of singles and doubles. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what I, couple, yeah. Like, I mean, this yeah. mug striking out in the draft. He's not even getting on base. Oh, Take dude, a- it's yeah, he's not getting on base. He's he's it's and it doesn't get better. We saw how this last draft went. The people like Mingo already a disappointment. Right. We have three or four guys, Jamie Robinson. You, you have these guys who are just who have potential and they could change things next year. But their rookie seasons do not look like you. We need to have a, a type of draft. We needed to have a type of draft from Scott Fitterer in the one of these three years that he was here drafting, like the Saints had when they got Latimer and a bunch of other people and Kamara and all that stuff. Yeah, they hit like five. Pit. I mean, that's right. kind of crazy. We need, but we, we need that type hit, of draft. We needed to hit some players at some point. Yeah. And we right didn't hit now, one. We players, hit maybe one. Yeah, and we're not even sticking with those players for the long term. Even if you go back to, and we could talk about Jeremy Chin, which is not on Scott Fitter. I think that's a good point, though, is, uh, and I think that for me, that's the real one that kind of sticks out to me is I think I can justify a lot of the aggressive moves he made in in the trade market, particularly, I think it might be a little revisionist. I don't think that, we traded too much for the number one pick. I think it's going to cost a lot to get there. So I don't think we overpaid for it. I think we paid the fair market value to get at to that time. One. Yeah. I just think it's because it's not a home run right away that people then start to see those assets that you Only gave up as more expensive than they were at the that, moment. That and we did a future pick, which you could never guarantee. We nobody predicted that we would have the first overall pick this year. Not right. a single person. If we were picking 16, 17, 18, I don't think people have as much of a problem with this, just like with the move up to get, you know, a quarterback, right? Regardless of how the year, I, I just don't think. But because we traded, this is the weird part. This is what they talk about with the Bears. You see it. I don't know if you guys have seen this. So we traded from nine to the first overall pick, right? And 
we got Bryce Young. The Bears this year have the first overall pick and the ninth overall pick this year. So it's it's just it, it's really and our easy. second like, round pick next year. And it's it is revisionist revisionist history, right? We looked back at that trade and we were like, it's really not overly expensive. We thought yeah. we replaced DJ Moore, right? We thought DJ Chark could come in here and well, Adam Thielen would come in here. You know, you go and, to a store and you want a product, you got to pay for it, right? So we thought we had done the right things in in free agency to make up for DJ Moore. Trading uh, trading the number one overall, I mean, trading the first round pick next year didn't seem like that steep of a price when we all thought, not a single person thought we were going to only win two games. We had, well, I, I can't say not a single person. There were probably some people out there, but the majority of people had no, us winning not, we at, least, at least. We weren't going to be in the top 10. Yeah. yeah, We weren't going to be in the top 10, I would imagine most people thought. Um, and now here we are, we're dealing with uh, uh, that being the first overall draft pick. So that's that's why this is so much more painful. And it's hard for Scott Fitterer to predict this. It's hard for him to predict that Frank Reich was holding this team back. It was hard. So, I mean, there is some grace you've got to give him, but there's only so much you can do, right? It's sort of like the Matt Corral situation. In the preseason, I was saying Matt Corral doesn't look good. And the argument was always, well, he's not playing with good pieces, right? He's not. He's playing on the third string. What do you expect? That's all you were getting. You've got to do the best you possibly can with what you have in front of you. Then there are plenty of quarterbacks that were doing much better than him with their third strings as well. And so you can only take what you've got in front of you to make your assessment. And that's what you got to do with Scott Fitterer. You can say that Frank, he had, a, he had a, gotten a dealt a poor hand with Matt Rule and Frank Reich and uh, how bad these quarterbacks played. Every quarterback underperformed at a massive level that was here. Um, you can't predict that. And, and, but those were the cards that were dealt to him. And unfortunately, it's, it, it, shit rolls uphill. You know what I mean? Thanks, CK, for hanging out with us. We'll catch you again uh, on the Tuesday night show, if not before, as yes, continuing sir. news breaks. All right, let's keep going through uh, some of these. I, yeah, like, uh, so look, as we, we talk about this Sam Darnold move as being really the first one that objectively can be kind of attributed or part Scott Fitterer's legacy and tenure. The following year, though, guys, this uh, it happened again. The Carolina Panthers still flirting with the Deshaun Watson uh, sweepstakes, but the Browns were able to pay, trade and pay so much. You want to talk about an overpay for a player. If you think that Bryce Young was expensive, the Browns traded and paid Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract and a 38-year-old man coming off the couch plays better than him in Joe Flacco. The Carolina Panthers, though, felt like Sam Darnold continued to be part of holding them back, wanting something more, and then went out and got Baker Mayfield lateral move at best some people went downhill how much do you guys want to associate the baker mayfield move with part of scott fitter's resume that landed him uh unemployed this today i you know tony i i think you can make the case that fitter was a patsy for every single quarterback decision that was made while we were here I genuinely believe from Sam Donald to Baker Mayfield to Matt Corral 
to Bryce Young. How can anyone sit here and say that Scott Fitterer was the guy in charge of making sure that particular quarterback came to Carolina? I agree. I don't. I, I don't. I don't see how the you will did. and wishes of people. And, and I even believe that with Bryce Young, Tony. I know everybody calls me a conspiracy theorist. I believe that there were many people that were uncertain or that had differing opinions in this organization about who the number one pick should be. I feel like the marching orders to get Bryce Young came from the very top. Now, that's to say that not everyone in the building believed in Bryce Young. I'm sure he had some believers. But I just I, you, you cannot get me to believe that there was a consensus pick amongst everyone in this building to draft one quarterback over the rest of them. And by the way, that quarterback had the least amount of physical talent out of any other one that was uh, available around him. So if if it came from the top down, it's like what I always said. Uh, Fidler is just a lapdog to implement the decisions that David Tepper makes. So I'm sure David Tepper didn't even want to fire Fidler. I'm sure Fidler or uh, Tepper hates that things went as bad as they did. I'm sure he has a lot of respect for Fidler and what he was you know doing when he was here because he did everything David Tepper wanted. Cole, if you're there, how do you see uh, the Baker Mayfield uh, moment in the kind of conversation of Scott Fitterer's legacy in Carolina? You can definitely hold that against him, Tony. You can hold all the quarterbacks really against Scott Fitterer. I definitely think that has a lot to do with it. And to go off the trail, I would just like to publicly say that I am ashamed to share the same birthday as Baker Mayfield. But DJ Moore also shares our birthday, so I'm proud of that one at least. But, yeah, you can hold that against him as much as you want to. All the quarterback decisions had to come through him. I don't give a damn how much pool rule had. Uh, Pickle, there's a interesting – let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Where did I see it? Is, um, uh, today, uh, DJ Moore found out about the Scott Fitterer news while he was on the radio. Um, DJ Moore was doing a early morning, um, uh, radio interview. This is according to Jason Leiser. Um, he says when informed on 670, the score that the Panthers fired general manager, Scott Fitter bears wide receiver. DJ Moore says, I might've played a part in that since they traded me. Hope he lands on his feet. Uh, the real deciding moments or defining moments of Scott Fitter's tenure has to do with the continued search for the quarterback, right? And I am with Cody that I think you could put Scott Fitter as a patsy on uh, both. He had nothing to do with Teddy Bridgewater. He had, um, you can talk about the trade maybe in his very first move with Sam Darnold overpaying, but again, under the gun and desperation at the time. Then Baker Mayfield, I think Baker Mayfield could continue, uh, can somewhat be attached. This is when things start to tilt, but the trade for Bryce Young, which included a future first as well as a future second, and DJ Moore was the the battle that Scott Fitter really hedged his, you know, staked his claim at as a general manager. 
How do you feel? What do you think, DJ Moore, about this comment? And what does he mean by he might have played a part in that pickle? Well, I mean, it's real simple. Uh, Scott Fitterer, I, th- this is what did it. I mean, it, okay, okay. If you trade Christian McCaffrey, he was a talent. And you wanted to get a quarterback because you failed all the other times you tried to get a quarterback. Whether it was uh, Matt Corral, whether it was uh, Sam Darnold, whether it was Baker Mayfield. You was, you get to this point, you failed. Okay, you traded uh, while DJ was here, you traded Christian McCaffrey to get picks to move up to get a quarterback. And then to move up to get a quarterback, you ended up trading DJ Moore. So essentially, you traded Christian McCaffrey, all the picks, and DJ, uh, DJ Moore up to get, to get a quarterback, essentially, instead of doing what you should have done. So in my opinion, that's probably really true. Uh, uh, essentially trading DJ Moore uh, and the fact it got, got us where we're at today. I mean, yeah. I, you can't replace uh, DJ Chark and Adam Theoden for DJ Moore. I mean, D, Adam Theoden should have been a number two to DJ Moore. Oh, so, um, as we go back to that, Cody, let's talk about that Christian McCaffrey trade. The Christian yeah, McCaffrey that's... trade is probably the pivotal moment, really, as things uh, in, in kind of a Panthers franchise history as you yeah. move on from what is clearly an elite player who has been banged up, struggling. We have some questions about just how banged up he was and how much the Carolina Panthers ultimately trying to protect an investment at the time though this signals that you are playing a little bit longer game than the carolina panthers have played and maybe this is the problem with the carolina panthers that they have tried to play the long game but then as soon as they get a taste of a little bit then they want to go in and make something quick out of it right is like so they go they're they're prepping the meal they taste a little bit of it, and they're like, hmm, that's good, and they just start eating, right? Is that the Christian McCaffrey trade signaled a moment that you were trying to rebuild, but the problem was is that you continued to pay a massive amount of his contract. You did not get any great assets out of it. What did we get? A second, a third, and a fourth or something like that? I think it ended up uh, DJ Johnson. Ended up coming of that trade. Look, there, there, there's no way that we win it, right? So one, let's let's go back in history and look at it this way. A lot of people felt like Christian McCaffrey was very injury prone when he was with the Carolina Panthers, right? So uh, uh, we can all be honest. There were many of us that were okay with trading Christian McCaffrey at that time. The reason why nobody feels like that now is because in the modern era, if any other player position was going to win the MVP award is Christian McCaffrey. Or Tyreek. But more so Christian than Tyreek. Wow. More so Christian, in my humble opinion. I think Christian McCaffrey went to the best possible situation that a running back, especially of his caliber, could ever dream to go to. Um, And then, uh, yeah, man, like, uh, dude, looking at how he might be the MVP, there's no way that, that you can look at this trade and say that it was a, a fair trade. I mean, you don't get your quarterback if you don't trade Christian McCaffrey away. 
uh, but he's a bell cow running back. He's a star player. And uh, if you listen to all of his interviews, Christian seemed like he has, like his feelings were pretty hurt after the whole thing went down. Like he envisioned himself being a Panther for a long time. And he felt like it was almost like, oh, well, you didn't believe in me enough to want to build around me for the foreseeable future. So whether or not you agree with him, he took it personally. And uh, I mean, the fact that he was the star player for the Panthers in the time when the Panthers didn't have a star quarterback. I mean, he was the guy on all the marketing, on all the posters, on all of the pamphlets sure, that they sure. had out of the stadium. Uh, and now he's no longer here anymore. And it now is not, it's not an entirely unreasonable idea, though, to think about, is, you know, of trying to pivot towards the future in a different direction. The problem continues when you trade these players, though, that you have to pay the guaranteed money, the team. And that was the problem with the Christian McCaffrey contract is that not problem, but it was a significant amount of guaranteed money. So we're still probably paying them or we're like almost probably finishing up that contract. But as CK said on his exit, all of this is compounded by the fact that the Panthers just haven't hit on any draft picks. And let's just be honest about that. If the Carolina Panthers could come away with one or two notable players in some of these tra- in in these trades, they don't hurt as much. But you see these people go on and play better and thrive in different situations and you bumble and maybe that's revisionist here. But the Christian McCaffrey trade uh, is the beginning of the process. While it does seem like we didn't get a muff now, and at the time it did feel kind of like it was an adequate trade. It just didn't make sense, though, to part ways. with. I just felt like you should have just kept him and paid him his money. Now let's bring in some other voices now. we got some more people here. Anthony from Charlotte. The news is broken today that Scott Fitter has been released. The Carolina Panthers may be getting it right for once in starting the process the correct way. Your thoughts on the news of Scott Fitter being fired by the Carolina Panthers today? Hey, Tony. Hope you all boys are doing well. Um, Yeah, um, I think this is an exciting day for us. Um, I know a lot of people didn't really think Tepper had the balls to make this move. Um, This was... He needed to be gone. I, I, I've been listening. A lot of you guys have made the points I wanted to make. Um, I think, like, the big thing that stands out to me is, like you said, there hasn't really been a player in one of his draft classes that you can point to and be like, okay, you know, that's that's someone that everyone knows about right there. And then the other point for me was I thought, you know, the trading of McCaffrey and, and more when you are going up to get your rookie quarterback felt like he did it backwards. If you know what I mean? I mean, I don't think any other, I don't think most general managers in that situation would, you know, trade your only, you know, talented weapons, which they were very talented and they were really good players. I don't think they would trade their, weapons for a rookie quarterback i just don't know what logic that is so a lot of the moves he's been making he's made over the past three seasons have been head scratching um i don't know if you guys have talked about new candidates yet but i've mentioned that the mike borgonzi guy 
could be in play here. There's a lot of unknowns, but I think we should just start by this and be happy that, hey, Tepper fired his yes man. And that that for that that first off means that he's clearly he he's trying to he's trying to figure this out with us. I think so. You know, it's going to be a little process. And I said this before, um, and then I'll pass the mic. the The GM is the more important hire than the head coach because they're the people that put the talent on the field for the coach to coach. So, those are my thoughts, man. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, you're, yeah. you're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast special edition as Scott Fitter, general manager, has been fired by the Carolina Panthers. We thank you for hanging out with us. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Be a part of the longest running Panthers podcast. And as Wes, we talk about this as someone who may be hopefully listening is David Tepper. And I think that as Anthony from Charlotte said this, is this where we do take away something from this right now, or at least I do guys is that David Tepper appears to acknowledge for the first time that this is an important component is finding the right general, uh, finding a general manager, one that a may be able to buffer you from football operations rather than being a yes man B that that general manager should be an important part of the process, or if not the driving force in the process of hiring your head coach and see, he's not addressing the media. All three wins. We've got Jake the Snake FU2 in the house. Your thoughts on the Carolina Panthers parting ways with Scott Fitter? Was this too late, just on time? And how do you uh, see the news? Oh, I'm happy. I mean, I know everybody's calling us what, Black Monday? I think we should call it Relief Monday because, I mean, I'm sure as hell happy about it. I think it should have been done. But hopefully, Tepper gets this right finally. Maybe we can all hope that he gets it right. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's kind of hard. Do what? Cross your fingers and toes. Right? That's all we can do. I mean, it's hard to really get excited because, I mean, it's, it's almost, you know, scared. I'm almost scared to get excited for, like, all season anymore now because you never know what's going to happen. Can it get worse? I hope not. Well, we saw some we saw some news earlier. Somebody brought this up in the chat. And Cody, we were talking about this before the show or maybe as we went on is that the um that the hiring of the firm Sportsology had played a role particularly and somebody mentioned in the chat that the 49ers when they helped advise and go and get them uh who is it uh, the former fullback or linebacker who's their general manager um uh he played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers oh it's uh, about Lynch yeah, yeah John, Lynch. John Lynch and then they hired Kyle Shanahan that part of their advice was that the owners take a step back while you don't need a consultant to tell you this one is the wondering how much this consulting firm has kind of been in the ear of saying this is the process and how it goes. So um, as we went through, we were going through some of the moves that led to Scott Fitter's firing. We kind of pinpointed as this relentless search for quarterback, as he's trying to juggle and manage these personalities, the trade of CMC seems to be a big part of the beginning of the end but most importantly, as he continued to not really perform 
in the draft. And it really comes to this year as you couple three things together. One is a failed draft. Two is a trade that in uh, for Bryce Young that did not lead to immediate success. And three, the disaster of a situation in Carolina that led to every single person getting fired. There was nowhere for Scott Fitterer to run and hide. This year had to be attributed to him in some form or fashion. The Carolina Panthers have decided to move on, guys. Where do they go from here? How do they attack this? And what do we need to find in our next GM? You guys take the lead on some of this conversation. Well, I mean, I, I'll go ahead. Um, all right. In terms of the next general manager, I mean, I, I think it needs to it needs to come from somewhat uh, a place that has you know that they have a decent track record of actually hitting on picks. Um, Scott Fitter came from Seattle. Pete Carroll and Sh- Schneider make all the picks there. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't really like a talent evaluator or anything like that. So that's that's kind of someone we need. Um, I do want to add on though. There's another reason Scott Fitter got fired, and it's simply because his public um, expectations that he said to everyone like we're a quarterback away and we can win the division with this rookie. So. Yeah, and also. To add on to your point, Ant, um, remember when David Tepper, after we drafted Bryce, he jumps up into the press conference and he's talking about, oh, he, Bryce is the type of guy that doesn't need great receivers and this and that and this and that. You know that he was getting all of that from from uh, Scott Fitterer. Cody, word uh, for word, yeah, two word days before word. he said that on the word radio. Word for word. David word Tepper for word. is literally just parroting whatever he was told by Scott Fitterer. Um, I think that kind of goes without saying. Uh, by the way, I wanted to talk about this too. Uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if uh, Mike Ford and Sportsology do recommend 49ers assistant GM Adam Peters to David Tepper and the Panthers. They're familiar with him after consulting San Francisco, and Ford tends to suggest within his pool. And I told y'all this too. Whenever you hire a firm, they have a pool of guys that are like in their little club that they end up recommending for all these jobs over and over that end up getting the same yeah. recommendations yeah. and shit, which has its pluses and minuses. Again, hopefully they have a good circle of guys to suggest. Uh, but hey, real quick, let me welcome in uh, Tony Dunn's bastard son, White Chocolate Espresso. Everybody always makes moves while it's working, Kevin. Uh, maybe you work too much. What up, Kev? Yo, what's up? How we feeling, Kev? Uh, neutral. Good answer. Like, like yeah. David Tepper has earned no credibility, and so has the Panthers. So, right. to me, Tepper is still in charge. He was always in charge, so until he's done, right. I don't really to care. To nothing, Burger. Uh, Tony, I know you're. Tony, I know. Yeah, Tony, I know. At a certain point, you're going to have to go. Um, there, there were some, uh, some interviews and some interesting things said by Panther players that are kind of making around uh, the rounds pertaining to the team. And before uh, we go, I would like to be able to get everybody to comment on a few of those. Certainly, certainly. Um, I mean, I guess most notably was the Jeremy Chin. 
uh, yeah. question, I think. Uh, who stuck out to well, you the most, and, and what did, what has raised your eyebrows about that? So there's a couple. One of them um, is what Hayden Hurst. This is the important one there. to me. Yep, hold on. So Hayden Hurst in his uh, kind of these exit locker room video uh, with the media has this to say about Bryce Young's first year. Also was about, and can I, before we play it is to preface this, Hayden Hurst was very braggadocious about Bryce Young in training camp. If we go back to that hard knocks episode where the Jets came to Carolina, he was just raving about how good this kid and how ahead of the curve he was at that moment. Right. I think when you have a young kid like that, um, again, you, know, you come from Alabama and there's one voice of reason. So you, know, you think they have your best interest in heart. And unfortunately, I think we have the NFL. There's a lot of people that want to fucking ping pong table, dude. I know it drives me nuts. Maybe put their stamp on it or, you know, this is, I was the one that kind of got him there. So it'll be good for Bryce to have consistency this offseason. One voice, tell him what to do and kind of guide him in the right direction. Did you? So basically, one in, voice. In, in essence, saying that he had multiple different voices dragging him in multiple different directions. To me, this screams disconnect from your offensive coaching staff. Uh, I think that you had a, a lot of differing opinions. Uh, I mean, especially considering that McCown is fired uh, essentially at the behest of other coaches on this team. It seems to me like there was so much infighting um, on, on, you know, when it comes to this offense amongst our coaches, uh, um, amongst the staff. And again, if all of those voices couldn't come to a consensus on play style, here I am pounding the same drum. How did they find a consensus on the number one quarterback like they said that they had? Hmm. To me, what this means is not about play style. It's just about this. It's just when you get some, when you have a bunch of critics, it's it's hard for you to make everybody happy when someone, everybody else is saying one different thing about something you should be doing. Oh, it's your footwork. Oh, it's this calling. It's this. It's like everybody's got some fucking advice at that point about what you could do better or what is going wrong. So I think some, sometimes it's not even that those have bad motives. It's just like, man, you're like, how can I work on all of this at once? Right. Instead of just looking at one or two, just staying focused on incremental improvements there. I think the other thing, though, that sticks out to me or is interesting is who are these voices and what were their intentions? Was this is and to me, there's names that come to mind right away. First, I think Frank Reich obviously is somebody that is is attached to the success of the team. But to me. That doesn't seem that seems like the voice that you should expect to be in your ear as you had just hired that coach, a former quarterback. To me, this screams Josh McCown and Thomas Brown here as guys wanting to find a way to use this moment to propel their career. We've heard Josh McCown's name associated with a former Houston Texans potential head coaching search. 
Thomas Brown trying to get out from under the wing of Sean McVay found himself nestled up under the wing of Frank Reich. How do you think that these guys contributed? What names come to mind as you hear those comments from Hayden Hurst? Go ahead, boys. We'll jump around. I'll be really quick with mine. You think he hit the nail right on the head because you look at the people who lost their jobs and they were probably the ones that were most influential on Bryce in the offseason. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. When the season started, and they were the bit, some of the biggest failures with this organization, so they had to go immediately. Josh McCown, I mean, you know, biggest, you gotta go ahead, uh, bastard son. I was gonna say my biggest fear coming into this offseason was too many cooks. Yeah. Too if you're David, yeah, you were one of the people that said that. If you're hey, David Pepper, why in the right mind would you hire people that didn't want to draft Bryce Young, even if that's the case? Like exactly. what, what logic is that? Well, I think that they hired the people that they thought would be good to coach to the team. Then by the time they all got into evaluating, uh, like I said, I think that everybody probably had multiple opinions. And then I feel like David Tepper said, oh, well, we like Bryce. All of you do too, right? And then they were like, yes, sir. Uh, again, everybody likes to call me a conspiracy theorist. I'll never be able to prove that. It's just conjecture. But I got a feeling, and sometimes my feelings are correct, man. Uh, Kev, I- I'm surprised you haven't said uh, his worst move, Federer's worst move, was uh, not signing Javion Clowney and instead signing, uh, oh, what's his name, that we hired in, in his place. I can't remember the dude's name. I don't even remember the dude's fucking name, bro. I mean, it is. I mean, Clowney signed for, like, what, $2 million with the Ravens? Yeah. Um. Uh, so we have a few more uh, notable... Uh, so the disorder was not just on the offensive side of the ball. It was also on defense. And one of the things that we have been wondering um, is what the hell happened to Jeremy Chen? Well, it sounds like he was wondering that very same thing as well. Were you told that, you know, your role may change or be different schematically toward at the beginning of the season. I know that Evero, when he did his intro presser, he was talking about how excited he was to coach you is, you know, your skill set and positionless skill set. So were you kind of, was it a heads up? Like, was it just a surprise as the season went on? Yeah, it really was. I think that was maybe the most frustrating part for me personally, um, you know, coming into this season, I was, I thought I wasn't going to come off the field. You know, I thought I was going to have a, a huge, a huge role in this defense um, and be able to leave a, a large impact. But you know, as the season goes, things change, and um, you know, it definitely was a surprise the way things did <clears throat> end up handing out. See, I, I have the the. Uh, if many of y'all, I mean, that. go ahead. He wasn't lying. He didn't have a position, so he was kind of positionless. Dude, I kind of think if I was a football player. 
people might consider me a diva. Because, dude, if you're taking me off the field, we consider you a bro, diva now. Everybody is gonna yeah. know that I'm over on the sideline, pissed the fuck off, man. Like everyone would know. I'd be saying that, and every time that that I'd even be interviewed, that way you'd want to trade my ass to a team that would want to play me. And again, I'm not blaming Jeremy, but also the fact that, like, I don't know why did our entire defensive coaching staff really feel like they didn't have a role for Jeremy Chin? That makes no sense. I have a conspiracy theory for that, Cody. Oh, go ahead. I love conspiracies. <laughs> this might be a little far-fetched, but if you go all the way back to Frank's opening presser when a few of the players were there, Chim was the only one that did not stand up and look Frank in the face and shake his hand. Looking back at it now, he looks like a very smart-ass man, but I think he was doomed <laughs> from day one with Frank. Yeah. Strange. It's strange uh, that, you know, he asked that they kind of – the question was kind of asked in reverse, I think. Um, I think they should have probably at least Sheena could have followed up again. So why do you think that you found yourself in such a reduced role? He starts off saying schematics and some different things. But to me, really, this is a question that they have to that needs to be answered. And that is, why can you not find a position for this guy? especially in a moment when your secondary had so many injuries throughout from Vaughn Bell being hurt, Xavier Woods being out at moments, corners being out, linebackers being out, right? How is it that Jeremy Chin went from a guy that almost was defensive rookie of the year to a guy that is a forgotten man? Right. Uh, this is an important and interesting question to me, how this could. They also asked Brian Burns was um, was how he felt about these things. Where do you want to go next? And also, yeah, yeah, if anybody yeah. needs to go, you can take an exit right now if you need to. If not, I got to go in 15 minutes. Uh, Cole, uh, that was Cole. Cole already jumped out here and said you had to go. Um, yeah, let's talk about Brian Burns. So well, I'll play hey, the uh, – yeah. Before you go that with Chin, like, wasn't Chin's best asset attacking the quarterback and, like, sacking the quarterback? Yeah, and a linebacker. And when he was a linebacker. What have we struggled with? <laughs> Pass uh, doing, 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 I don't yeah. even know if, to be honest, the, as you watch this, now look, is I'm not going to argue about this defense, but I got more mad as people continued to call it a top three defense yesterday. I'm with you. Um, I also heard on last night as I was watching the a very exciting game in the Dolphins and the Bills that they said that the Bills and the Ravens had the top two defense and takeaways, points, and this and that. And I was I did everything in my power. I didn't do it. It was just like, oh, of course, when I think of best defenses, I think Ravens, Bills, and Panthers. Of course, like that makes sense. Bills We're dead last in those categories. Right, right. Is <laughs> they make sense as being top defenses. I don't feel like we do. But no, I can't I'll... be uh I can't and maybe it's because teams didn't have to pass on us at all. Uh, I can't even remember blitzing the quarterback. 
in this season. I don't even know if I remember. Because we had the least amount of quarterback sacks of any team. So you know you're not getting pressure on your own. And and you're not going to blitz? They were never in passing situations, honestly. But the Panthers, do you, does anybody, as we bring up Jeremy Chin and kind of that wild, like that's a guy, it's really just, it was Lou Vu's the only guy that made any kind of noticeable pressure. Why are, were, did we not blitz or is that just me? We, we only blitzed Lou Vu. Like that was the only like type of blitz scheme. We yeah. Did. I never, I never. I don't think I've seen Jeremy Kim shoot the gap one time this season. He wasn't even on the field. Yeah, he wasn't even like yeah. And like that Wait. sucks because you're a you're a starter for the previous three seasons. You probably start questioning, am I still you know, what happened? Am I am I still good at football or the coaches just don't just don't like me? Um and by the way, Tony, we have people requesting that this uh episode be uploaded to audio. Okay. Uh, for people that would like to listen to this, so I'm putting um, post game up right now from last night, from yesterday. Okay, we um, did so, bless you um, corners too, by the way, a little bit. So look, let's talk about this Brian Burns discussion because this is the one that's got Panther fans the most hot. And I'm gonna play this, and then I'm gonna uh, uh, it, it's something that he says in this video. Then there's another thing that he said that wasn't on video, which is getting the most traction. But let's talk about. Uh, Brian Burns saying uh, he's not the Panthers' number one priority. They got a lot of stuff to do. They got a lot of stuff to figure out. I, I don't think I'm. Number one. Oh, I did. Is this today? Yeah. They got a lot of stuff to figure out. I, I don't think I'm number one on that list right now. So. Yeah. So, so how do you say how do you stay patient, right? Because like maybe in other years you'd be able to kind of jump on some of this stuff and get it figured out, but you like you said you're gonna have to wait. Focusing on myself. Uh, the best thing I can do is be ready. So uh, if you do, if, if if it do turn out that they do want to keep me here and I stay, I'm ready. And if it turns out I have to go somewhere else, I'm definitely ready for that too. So as long as I'm ready in in, uh, in any angle, I'm, I'm that man is so ready to move on. Um, and Tony, what's making the most rounds? Uh, somebody asked him if he felt like uh, he was still deserving of top defensive end money uh, in the NFL, and he says yes, Hell and no. that he and that he already proved that before this season that he proved that he was worth top dollar amount at defensive end. And I, I put on Twitter. No, you didn't. You never proved that. And if you had approved that, you would have already been paid the money that you're asking for. So it's so presumptive, man. It's so like nose up in the air. I'm a great player and I deserve this. It's just so tone deaf, man. People in the organization and on the team are so tone deaf as to the actual narrative around them, that it's embarrassing, man. It's embarrassing. You don't think that this can just be sort of, A, one is what the hell is he supposed to say? Of course, he's supposed to say, yes, we're, you know, I want to be, you know, I, I think I'm a top player. But uh, to me, this is a little frustration. Um, hang on top of what he said yesterday, too. But, that but, but he was, yeah, that he was always. That. 
let's go to that and tell and tell me about that. But the the frustration I see is this is that a lot of these guys are dependent their success and their finances are dependent on other components in the organization. And so if you're Brian Burns and obviously he bet on himself a little bit by not supposedly taking whatever deal that the Panthers maybe had offered for him. But to him is that this season wasn't only a failure from his play, but also a collective failure of the team. If the team would have been good, he would have made money, you know? And so to me, there's a sense of frustration there, but he is not wrong. He is not the number one priority for the Carolina Panthers. We've got a lot. And really, he has to stay patient. He has no choice. He's under contract. The Panthers have him under a fifth-year option, I'm pretty sure. They can franchise him to where he played under the fifth-year option this year. They can franchise tag him next year. And no decisions are going to be made until this GM comes in and takes a look at things, the new GM. So what are your thoughts on you? Do you, you find this tone deaf? What else did he say? I think yesterday's comments might be even more um, or it continues yeah, to build. I think he's frustrated, man, clearly. And you can understand. Sure. I mean, who isn't frustrated? Uh, everyone is. But Joe, uh, yesterday, uh, Brian Burns said all the injuries on the defensive side earlier in the season impacted him, especially after his contract stalled, dealing with that, uh, dealing with what I was dealing with in training camp, I was terrified to get hurt. But he said, after the contract talks stalled, and if he's telling you he already feels that he's worth a certain dollar amount, that he's already proven that, well, then he might feel so obliged to take some plays off and not risk getting hurt on this damn on this team, that's the bullshit that I don't like. You're essentially yeah. without without coming out in so many words, you're saying that you were taking plays off because you didn't want to get hurt to affect your deal later with another team down the road. But I'm sorry, that is nowhere near the type of effort or player that the Carolina Panthers need to be building around long term. Hassan Reddick was the best defensive end that the Panthers have had since Brian Burns has been here, and it's not close. Yep, and I want to bring this up, Cody. We saw this on film a couple times a game, didn't we? Just taking oh, plays yeah. off and, and looking like he didn't want to be there. I do want to bring up a point because this, this asked an interesting question to this panel. I forget who was talking about it, but – you know, since we're kind of in this rebuild right now, and Tony was talking about it last night, how he would go out and he would spend every penny on offensive linemen. If I'm the GM, now this is just me, I would give out two extensions this year, and everyone else I would start clean. I would pay uh, Derek Brown and Frankie Luvu, and then I would go out and I would try to, you know, get start from the trenches and get some offensive linemen and build from there. That's personally what I would do. I don't think – I think if you could get a premium pick for Burns at this point in time, I think that's the best-case scenario for this team just because he doesn't seem bought into – I mean, there's also a lot of uncertainty. Maybe the next head coach he doesn't like to hire. 
Maybe he wants to go somewhere else. He's been here for a little bit. So oh, he clearly wants in- to go somewhere else. Yeah. He hasn't been a part of a winning season with the Panthers at all. Yeah, so, you know, that's something to keep in mind. Like, I just thought I brought that up because Tony got me thinking, like, do you save that kind of money and invest it in the offense when, you know, Bryce Young's probably only got one more season. And I hate to say as a Bryce Young fan, because the next head coach, if we have a premium pick next year, is going to want to roll with his own quarterback. Now, that's not to say if Bryce Young is successful next season, then he could be here for a long time. But I'd rather invest in helping out him and seeing what we truly have in him than worrying about all this Brian Burns drama. Because it seems, I don't think paying him $30 million is a good solution. Now, that's just my opinion. I first was hesitant to pay him that type of money in the beginning. I don't think he has proven it, to be honest. He's had one 12-sack season. And look, is that, again, I hate... I hate this, and I'm and I look. If I was with Brian Burns, I would say I try to say this as gently and as respectfully as I could to him, because clearly, what he does on the field is very important. What he, you know, I mean, and I'm rooting for any player to get theirs right in so many ways. But Brian Burns, I always feel bad talking shit about your best player on the team, right? So I'm an ECU Pirate fan. And uh, before Holt Naylor's was our quarterback and he's not the most um, pure passing type quarterback. You know what I'm saying? He's left-handed limitations. I think he's left-handed. It might be. He's just like, got he's, but he's still the best player on the team, you know, is like, he's mobile. He's big. He plays hurt. He does all these great things. So it stinks to, talk shit about your best player and Brian Burns was one of the better players on this team through some very tough years so I'm not trying to say this disrespectfully but at the same time I never felt like he was of the top tier elite defensive ends in the league Uh, and again I say that respectfully as someone who teaches history and doesn't play football but is watching I just saw this as TJ Watt went down he had 18 sacks this year he went down uh, in the last game. TJ Watt did. He was hurt. Oh, was, oh, he got down. hurt. Yeah, he got hurt in the Steelers game. And they said he's had 18 sacks on the season. I was like, holy shit. It's a two way. It's a to me. This is a different caliber. And it's not just sacks, but it's a two way type of dominant player. And right now, I think that Brian Burns has shown himself to be a very good player. Uh, one that could potentially turn into a great player in the in better circumstances, the right circumstances. But the Carolina Panthers don't need a very good high-paid player right now. The Carolina Panthers need a lot of good players right yes. now. And right, I just think if anything, I'm with Anthony 100 on this, is I think that Derek Brown is young enough and has showed himself to be dynamic, like good enough at, and reliable enough and arguably the best player on the team in so many ways. And at a position that doesn't over command money, you know what I'm saying? You can pay, you can pay Brian, uh, Derek Brown overpay him a little bit. And if you, it would be less than overpaying Brian Burns a little bit. 
Um, I think that if anything, he is just somebody that could be important to anchor in the defense, particularly a team that just doesn't have a lot of talent on it. Frankie Louvre, I'm with that. I don't think that the Panthers have the time and the luxury for a player like Brian Burns anymore. Yeah, we don't. And, and again, when, when he's your first round pick and it never turns into that star defensive end that you want him to be. Again, Hassan Reddick comes in and literally bests him in his first year, his second only year as a defensive end. Like it, it, Brian Burns went to the Pro Bowl in a year when Hassan Reddick should have been the one that went to the Pro Bowl. Is this a sign that maybe the undersized defensive end is a little bit harder of, of a player to acclimate. Wasn't that the same year, Brian Burns, that Co- Cleveland, I'm going to say Colin Farrell. Yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland Farrell. And then there yeah. was one other one. Bosa. Bosa went second overall. Oh, yeah, so Bosa, Bosa went second. But also, uh, there was another what? lean pass rusher in that draft, I think. Uh, Mike- Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen. Yeah, went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh and Allen. He destroyed us, by the way. Yeah, he's not yeah, maybe yeah, lean like, so much. But no. is that this is Brian Burns is the look, is Brian Burns didn't have yeah. a good season. He was a bad he's a good he's a on a bad team. No one had a good season uh, except for and, uh, Derek Brown and that's just volume. Also, what's the defensive end for the Raiders Max um Crosby. Max Crosby uh was also a fourth round pick in that same draft and is far and away a better player than Brian Burns, man. And no, Tony, I hear what you're saying. Like, uh, as Panther fans, we don't want to be talking down and talking shit about our best players. But it's like, come on, man. Quit acting so entitled to something. Like, you're entitled to be the highest paid or one of the highest paid defensive ends. Like, give me a break, bro. Danny Byers. You're allowed to say that you earned your contract I'm allowed to say that you did nothing of the sort. Yeah, I want to thank everybody that's been joining the show, uh, the C3 Panthers podcast, longest-running Panthers podcast. Great that StreamYard is integrating uh, comments from Twitter now, or X, which is awesome. I love that. Danny Byers, he says, that's not quite not that's not quite fair because Brian Burns had such a great season. He was double and triple team, which allowed Reddick to come in and eat. I honestly think that that is an overblown narrative that Brian Burns is just double teamed and all of this is that while teams are chipping and probably paying attention to him and can only allocate so many assets, I've watched Brian Burns go in single man up cover man all this year and get Dude, we have seen we have seen the entity. Is that how about this? They didn't double team them. We have seen tight ends completely block Brian Burns out of a play. Tight ends, your premier defensive end on the tight end is supposed to be a mismatch for the tight end. I would say, um, again, I don't want to talk junk about uh, a player who has played hard, who has has played hurt, has played through some tough years. Uh, I just think when we talk about caliber of players is that he is a good player. But I would say this is Charles Johnson was a better defensive end than Brian Burns. 
big because money. Charles truck. Johnson could stop the run. Yeah, he was a versatile two-way player. Is a this is a limitation in a great system. I mean, on a good team, Brian Burns could be a force that's just impossible to reckon with at times. But it's always about what he could be. What, what if? What if? What if? Is that ultimately? I just don't know if the Panthers have the luxury of paying him at this moment. I just think that uh, there are thank two, God you did right at this point. Thank I think God, so. I think so. If anything, as just, as you as might as be able to say the heart that was one of Fitter's best moves. Yeah. Is he didn't <laughs> trade him? He should have maybe done that. Yeah, for that sure. He did not get baited into uh, paying him that top dollar in this past offseason. Yeah, that was uh, one of the most prudent moves that Scott Fitter made uh, easily. Easily, easily, easily. All right, I've got to run. Uh, so yeah. let's get our final thoughts in, unless you guys are going to keep going. Um, my final thoughts, or what, uh, however you want to round the show out, whatever you want to do, and I'll let you kind of uh, whatever you see the best way to finish this out. I would like to thank everybody. 187 people impromptu kind of bonus version of the C3 Panthers podcast for joining us. We're here live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Oh, I downloaded the post game. What is today? Yeah. Okay. So where are we? We got tomorrow. I don't even know what day it is. We've been also said the free for all too. You've been uploading the free for all. Not as, not as much. It's kind of hard in the postseason because then I'm like, is by the time I get it up, I'm already putting the post game up. Yeah. You need to show me. Now I will start working on them. They'll we'll put the Friday free for alls in the audio as well as these bonus editions. I'm coming, but thank you. 180 over 108 people watching us. You can continue to help support the C3 Panthers podcast by smashing the thumbs up button, continuing to just be part of our community. Like Stephen Bailey, who is a C3 super fan says, thanks for the analysis. Kristen Ledane, a wonderful contributor to the C3 Panthers podcast. Final thoughts. Yay. Bye-bye fitter. Now pink slips for Thomas Brown, et cetera. Josh CJA. Look at all of these green tags in here. Love this. Um, The C3 super fan for $1.99. You can continue to help us, uh, you know, like I had to do, take off work and run home to do this podcast right here. I'm taking a what, here's, what, here, here's what I'll do, man. We got 174 people. I've seen some people that uh, that wanted to to come in. Uh, if, if there's enough people that want to join, uh, I'll go for another 30 or 45 minutes. And you busy? You got something to do? I can stay for a little bit. All right. right. I'll give you my final thoughts and then I'm going to dip out again. Thanks for everybody's support. And you guys can be a part of the show. Look, Cody's open it up. You want to talk about the most, one of the most interactive podcasts on the internet is this is free for all type party right here. Uh, My thoughts is this is look is not surprised. Actually, you know what? I am a slightly surprised. I will say I'm slightly surprised. I almost thought Fitter was going to make it through this as um, as really David Tepper continued wanted to be the main determinant uh, and captain of this ship and hiring coaches, firing coaches, making personnel decisions, finding uh, that quarterback talent. So not terribly surprised, but a little encouraged in some ways. I'd like okay. to 
and and really my final thought is this is that this is a good sign because this is necessary and regardless of your opinion of whose fault it was how much this was scott fitter being a patsy there is an order of events having clear and decisive structure and an organization is important for people executing their duties. You need to yeah. know what your responsibilities are. And if, and the too many cooks in the kitchens, not enough, uh, too many chiefs, not enough Indians, whatever uh, analogy you want to use or whatever it, it is. The whole point is division of labor, clear marching orders so that people can execute with purpose. And now what I think this is that to me, this is the most important hire. You hire the GM and then David Tepper does not have to remove himself entirely from all decision making. He can be, he's still the king maker, right? He's still the king maker. But what he needs to do is then hire a guy he believes in capable and promising enough to then go and choose the coach. And I would say this is that we got a long road ahead of us. We all know that you're going to hire your coach. And if there's a day that you come to me and say, we've got to fire this coach, then you can go ahead and turn in your pink slip too. I'm just a little optimistic. optimistic. All right. I'm going to run guys. You guys take over. We appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on. Being on the show. Uh, I'm going to pick up hosting duties. Uh, go ahead, Ant, then I'm going to introduce our two guests. Go ahead. Appreciate you, Tony. No, I was just going to say um, I'm just happy and a little, a little, little bit hopeful that um, we'll see what happens with Te- Tepper with a whole cleaned house. We haven't seen that yet, so I, I think there's a decent amount of optimism to be like, you know, if you listen to the search firm and – gets the people recommended to him, gives them a look. Maybe we can start this uh, this process, hopefully, on a good note. Yeah, man, start things in the right way, in the right direction. That's what I'm hoping that we're able to do, man. And let me tell you, this new general manager, they've got some job ahead of them. Without a first-round pick, uh, you don't have your second next year. you got to find and fill so many different holes on this team. Bro, let me ha- tell you, they've got their jobs cut out. Uh, but listen, man, I did post the link in the stream yard. I'm going to go for another maybe 30, 45 minutes and get everyone's opinion on this. Let me welcome in my guys. I got D from Sanford and my man, Al the Sailor. First yeah, up, my man, my man, D, how are you, brother? What's going on, Cody Lack? What's going on with you, bro? Oh, man, it's a good day, man. Fitter is out the paint, and I'm feeling good about it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I I couldn't. I couldn't with a good conscience just sit back and not let my voice be heard on such a building block type of moment. Because at the end of the day, one of the biggest issues that folks have, even I had, not just this year, it's been multiple years, has been the lack of backbone of Scott Fitter, some of the decisions that he's made. And for one, when you have a guy who is such a king kind of mindset of David Tupper, where it's my way or it's the highway. You've got to bring somebody that has some kind of backbone, some kind of spine, somebody that can look and be like, okay, I understand you, my boss, 
but my job is also to bring the best product to the Carolinas that we possibly can. So where I'm hearing that he's bringing in a firm to try to help with the coaching process, I'm hoping that he's doing something similar within the GM mode of it. Because like I like that um guy. I think he's the assistant GM of the 49ers. He seems attractive or he whatever. Is. I know Tepper has has done enough that you might stray a lot of people from wanting to take the job. But just like you said, Cody, you said whoever takes the job has got a lot on their hands. Yes. Well, I could care less about that because you know what you're getting into when yeah. you get into the job. All right. Oh, yeah. If you're gonna have to flip Derek Brown, if you're gonna have to flip Burns, if, if Chen's got to go in, I understand that we don't want to lose more talent than we've yeah. already lost a couple of years ago. But let's be quite honest, because of the talent that we auctioned off a couple of years ago, we've yeah. got to burn the grass all the way down to the black. Yeah. And drop the seeds and the fertilizer down to grow. The, you only, ain't got no choice. Person, the only person I think is safe. And the fan base probably don't agree. And that's Bryce, because we got him for three, like three more years or two more years or however long his contract is. And we got maybe five. Four, maybe five, yeah. Or maybe even five. But either way, at the end of the day, everybody else is expendable. And Bryce is not expendable. Bryce is expendable on one aspect, but he's not expendable in the big picture because we lost DJ Moore. We lost that first round draft pick. We lost so much that if we're not the laughing stock already, we're going to be even more the laughing stock that we got rid of the dude in a year that we traded so much capital for to bring in. So, Bryce, I have hope in Bryce. I'm hoping he's growing or whatever. But today, having a, a chance to have a new GM with a new head coach and start placing those bricks and foundation around to start heading in the right direction. Oh my God, I'm excited. I'm absolutely excited. I'm still yeah. not going to sit here and bust my head through the roof over the whole situation because the hiring still have to happen. But at least we got the first process. If your tooth is sore and you go to the dentist and they look at it and say it needs to be pulled out and you got the funds to afford it, what do you do? You pull yeah. that tooth out. Well, oh, yeah. today, well, we pulled one tooth out about a month ago. We pulled another tooth out today, and we're hoping that we're about to start getting that dental hygiene that we need that we can celebrate this damn team. Shit, we might need a new pair of dentures before it's yeah, all set. Yeah, we might need some veneers. We might need, yeah, we might need a brand new set of veneers before our You had a lot of good points right there, uh, D, but um, I, and I, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad that they got rid of Fitter. They had to get rid of Fitter. Like, you couldn't you couldn't bring it back next year with that. The fan base would be crazy. And um, I don't know, man. Just like this whole talent agency, whatever they're doing, I don't know, bro. Like, but we just gotta get a good, we just gotta get the proper, the proper quarter, the proper not quarterback, but the proper, the proper coach and a proper GM up in here. And then he and Fitter, I mean, Tepper has to take a step back. And that's it, bro. And that's it. He just has to take a step back. I mean, you are so eloquent with your fucking, which is your liliquy, but they got to get, Tepper is the main thing. If he doesn't take a step back, then we would never be what we want to be, but we want to see them as fans. We won't, we will never be there, bro. If Tepper don't take, take the step back. So I hope this is a, this is the right direction to him doing that. 
So besides that, I mean, like, I don't know, man. Go ahead, Dex. What you got? Hey, man, love your welcome in my brother from across the pond. Love it whenever he joins the show, man. My man, Dexter. What's up, brother? All good, man. All good. It's good to see you. Finally, something's happened good this season. First win of the season. But, no, I said it in the chat earlier. It, it, it Even though, you know, he got sacked last year, it finally feels like we're the, at the end of the Matt Rule era. It's like finally. Yeah, good point. Now. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's weird. I love, and, yeah. you know, it's it's like now that you know Scott's gone, we can start actually moving forward, and it's a bit more exciting. We can start looking at maybe a whole new way of playing the game now. So, oh, it's, it's yeah. Uh, and by the way, whenever you're not speaking, uh, mute your microphone because we got some background noises. But let me ask this question to y'all: Now that this is finally official, who is the person that you have in mind now? I mean, for either one of them, man, head coach and general manager, because now we know that we need both. I've been uh, uh, the, the two names that I've been championing are Bobby Slovic, the offensive coordinator from the Houston Texans, who I think is the perfect fit uh, from an offensive mindset for our quarterback, Bryce Young. Um, but I've been a big fan of uh, Mike Borgandi, the, the guy uh, up in Kansas City for a number of years in a row now. I've been a fan of what they've been able to do for a long time from a free agent perspective, from a drafting perspective. Uh, that that's a, Those are the two that I've been championing. Uh, I would love Adam Peters as well. But do you, uh, and this is for everyone here, uh, Anthony, Al, D, Dexter, uh, do you have a duo that you have in mind as like your number one pick for head coach and GM? And I'll let whoever wants to go, go in. Okay, so for me, like I mentioned just a second ago, mm-hmm. I really thinking about that assistant general manager guy with the 49ers. Uh, Adam the, Peters. Yeah, Peters. And the reason why like, I'm kind of wanting him more is we've just watched the 49ers over like the last four years, how not just how they pick up free agents or trade, but even the guys that they're drafting even in late rounds are producing for them. So for us, we need to be able to hit on third and fourth round guys at times, not just second and first, even though we won't even hit on the first and second round guys. Right, but right. the quicker way to rebuild is getting a guy that can evaluate talent to a degree that in those later rounds, we're getting guys that can produce. Um, the answer as far as coach, it's going to sound generic as hell because everybody has been saying it. But I really do like what Ben Johnson has done with the Detroit Lions. I mean, obviously, Jared Goff was almost on his way out the league. And look what Jared Goff has turned into to a degree. And right now, we need a guy that can be a quarterback whisperer. We need a guy that can develop a quarterback. And we need a guy that knows offense. And Ben Johnson so far with the Detroit Lions, at least what I've seen in the last two years, has been a guy that has been able to cultivate offense in a league where a team was probably the worst offense in their division for so many years. So for us, where we want to pick up our offense and try to get better, I think if we got a GM that knows how to bring in players and evaluate, and then you give Ben Johnson the guy to help cultivate it, and you you bring in the rest of the staff, defense, and so forth, I feel like we're in a quicker position 
to to get to better days than we are now. Um, yeah. I've heard um recently they've been talking about Brian Johnson out the Eagles. I'm not yeah. even going to pretend to act like I know too much about this cat. Um, mm. Slovic, I think Slovic would be a good guy. I just don't know as far as a head coach and leader of men. I don't know much about him on that end, but I at least know as far as play call and working with a young quarterback this year, it seemed great. So yeah. I have an open mind in the coaching area, but as far as a GM, I need a builder. I need a guy that knows how to look at what we have and build. That's all I want is a I'm, build. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep going with Harbaugh. I mean, I'm I, like you say, a uh, blank check, but just give Harbaugh a blank check because I know he can turn around programs. He's yeah. in it five or four different times, and he's a good, yeah, he and he's won. a good coach. You said what? what was My problem with that is Harbaugh gets somewhere and he doesn't let grass grow under his feet. And I really don't want him to get here, turn things around. And you know what? Oh, I want to go back to college again. Or, you know, you watch the, yeah. how he jumped from the 49ers. Nah, he, he, nah, nah. Once, once, once well, he gets this job, I mean, he'll probably go back to college, but not not in like one or two years. Well, but look, I'll say nah, that. Nah. He, 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 he won't put Nick Saban. He won't put Nick Saban, I'll tell you that. I'll, I'll say this. He's, he's going to get it right. But I'll say this. If uh, Michigan goes on to win the national championship and, and, and they beat Washington, I think that's the major check that he was looking to uh, to, to check off. That's the box he was looking to check off at college. He wanted that's to return his alma mater, and he wanted to win the championship, and that's what they've been trying to do over there at Michigan. Um, but I did want to go back to Ben Johnson real quick, and then I want to get Dexter in on the convo on his two preferred coaching GMs. Uh, but what you said about Bobby Slovic, D, uh, how you just don't know what type of leadership material that he would offer and that he would bring to the position, I think that's a very fair critique. But I feel like I can say that same thing about uh, Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, yeah, you don't know that. But and when you, you don't know that. When you look Dan at Campbell. Uh, Bill Campbell, Dan Campbell, I think has proven himself to be a real team builder. He has the Lions motivated, and I just don't know how much of that uh, comes from Ben Johnson. Now, I love their offensive system and what yeah. you know how that could be implemented here in Carolina, but a lot of these first-time coaches. We're going to be wondering about what all of them are made of uh, as as head coaching material. We just don't know yet. Uh, I wanted to get Dexter in on the convo. Dexter, do you have a number one and number two uh, preferred candidate for uh, for coaching GM? Well, I've got one priority now. Like my vision's quite narrow with it as well. The main priority mm-hmm. now has got to be keeping Bryce's Young's confidence up, right? Right. We've just traded up for him. He's the one piece that we really need to, right. to work, really. So yeah. what was the yeah. guy at the Chiefs, the assistant of the Chiefs who drafted Mahomes? Who's uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Borgans. Yeah. I'd be up for him because he can, you know, maybe that can boost Bryce's confidence if he comes in and sort of guides him in the right direction. And then again, I'm with Dave, Ben Johnson. Let's just keep it going on the offense at the minute and see where it can uh-huh. go to Bryce. He's, we, we've got to fix it. We've got to fix the confidence issue. We've got to fix what's going on with him because if he doesn't work, we are set back five, eight years. So we need to do something sure. with it. So them two names yeah. for me. And that's the, the point ones. I made earlier too. You have to make sure, especially now that this next coach and general manager will have had no say-so 
and your choice that you made on the quarterback, you have to now make sure that they're on board with building around Bryce. Like they, they can't be quick to move off of him. You gave up too much to go a year or two and done Bryce Young. You're going to have no. to build around them. You have no choice no matter what you think about him. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, man. Um, but, but Cody, we really don't, bro. We just got to get one year. We just got to build a draft this year. And then, like I was saying, bro, we just build a draft this year and then get the team a little bit better. And we can move in a quarterback next year. I mean, like, if he does, if he's trash next year, fucking get him out of here, bro. I mean, why, how many games we got to watch? I mean, we got to watch, we got to watch 24 games or 36 games. I don't even know. 18 times eight, 18 times two, 36 games, whatever the fuck. To fucking see that he's trash. If he's trash, he's trash. Why do we got to sit on him for so long? The fucking, the Cardinals got rid of that. They got rid of Rosen. Like, they got rid of Rosen. And that's, we got to sit on him until until we can build a team. Otherwise, we're just going to do exactly what we've done with Bryce. We can't. We, we've, we've got to put everything we can into Bryce. And then if by the end of that he doesn't work out, then we put a new quarterback in. Look, I hear you, Al. That's what I'm saying. Build the team. Al, build the team. I also build understand the, 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 the Arizona Cardinals, they didn't spend – everything that we spent to go up and get Josh Rosen. And That's the true. very and the very next year they had the number one pick to be able to move on from Josh Rosen. That's none true. of those, I mean, those the true. Panthers have none of those luxuries. None of them. We've spent too much. We need to sit and save for a bit. See what we've got, build around what we've got and just go from there. Okay, my question is yeah. my question right, is Let's say two, three years from now, right? Bryce did pan out. Did we right. pay too much? Because see, well, I keep no, hearing he a lot. Out. I keep hearing a lot about in just the first year about them saying that the trade didn't pan out. But even for guys that are not rookies, a lot of times it takes more than a year to figure out if the trade works out. So that's yeah, why my well, question comes in is is. Did we actually pay too much, or was it just an anomaly because of what it was this year and everything that right. was against them? Like, right. I'm not, I'm not on a train of where I just Give overly defend right. But it's just my thing. That's what I'm saying. Right. So saw, if, uh, if we I did see enough flashes, I did see enough flashes at different times, like when he got protection at different times of him making throws to give me somewhat belief. But it's just hard for me to say. Now, did we give up a hell of a whole lot for him? Yes, we did. Yeah. But it'll say not next year, but the year after that, dude has a Pro Bowl MVP candidate type season. Yeah. Let's say we get to the playoffs. Yeah, we're will talking we walk different. That back, or will we still be saying that still in hindsight we paid too much? If 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 he ends up panning out like nah, that. I mean then it was definitely if he ends up panning out, then it was definitely worth it. The problem is right now, based on how the season looked, and based on him, uh, like Nano comes the north says, the fact that he was the smallest quarterback drafted, that he didn't really live up to the expectations. Right now, it's not going to look like anything other than a bust. But if, if, if in the next three or four years. If he turns it on and becomes the franchise quarterback that you thought you were drafting, well, right. then, yeah, it is worth it because if you have a franchise quarterback, you have a chance 
to to win with the rest of them. I, I just kind of, I just really, I really just can't figure out. My bad, Dex. Go ahead, bro. No, it's cool. I was just saying, you know, it, the argument's not going away. People are still talking about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, look at him last night. You know, it's yeah, just, it's true. the same thing. It's it's going to be around for years until until either we do make the playoffs or we don't. But these questions aren't going. I I, I just can't wrap my head around not seeing a fucking 30, 40 yard pass down the field like and check downs all game like that I just, that just don't make good football knowledge to me you know what I'm saying like I, that's the only thing I can't really understand that's what got me like kind of fuck them like uh, it's not even a Bryce Young shit association man fuck Scott Fitterer we just gonna get the right proper GM in here and then we gotta get the proper coach and yeah if, if that's building around Bryce that's been around Bryce for two or three years and whatever man I mean I'm only I'm only 39 I guess I'll be 43 by the time we get good <laughs> Damn, bro. I hope not. I hope, I hope it don't take that long. Um, and, and look, look, listen. I, I know I've been critical on Bryce, uh, but uh, listen, he has proven tough as hell. Out of all the bigger, stronger quarterbacks uh, that were also drafted behind him, the fact that That's this man fact. was still bouncing up every single time he got hit, like Jordan says. Um, he was sat 62 times and is still standing. Like you, you have to give the, the kid credit, man. And, and, and I do think that lesser quarterbacks uh, might have given up, might have looked dejected. Like, uh, dude, give it to Bryce, man. The, the guy believes in himself. And I, I just hope that we can get some more talent around him in the future. You can't, you, throw big balls. you can't throw big balls if you're only getting three seconds in the pocket. Well, it, it, yeah. I'll tell you, I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, it don't, it don't, it don't got to be receivers. It got to be, it got to be old linemen, bro. Then it got to be old linemen, interior old linemen, yeah. maybe a new tackle. It don't got to be receivers because he can throw the ball like if they're just running dink and dunks. He can throw the ball to any receiver. Hey, let me it ask be this old to linemen so he can get. That well, I'm I'm happy that you brought that up. Let me pose this to everyone because we were talking um, yesterday in the post game show about what is the next move when it comes to O line and wide receivers. Some people think, all right, draft a wide receiver and use free agency to go get O linemen. But a lot of people feel like maybe you need to reverse that. Maybe you need to double dip at both positions in free agency and the draft. What would y'all prioritize right now? And how would you go about filling it? Wide receiver or O line? What's the biggest priority right now? O line. O line. O line. Free agency nope. wise, I would prefer. No, not even a free agency. O line and draft receivers. That's okay. I, that's pretty much if we can get like a solid guy at receiver, maybe not the greatest of guys, but a guy that can give some production right. and free agency. You don't need a. You don't need a draft. Cool. But I want offensive linemen, and then we draft a playmaker. Can you, you don't draft? need a draft. You don't need uh, a draft receivers at thirty three, though. You don't need yeah. a draft receiver at thirty three. You need to draft a young old lineman at thirty three, somewhere you around there, a trade back. That also depends on what they can pick up in the free agent market at old lineman too, though. Yeah, because yeah. If we can, not a lot, if we bro. can do like the Chiefs did after that year. The Tampa Bay blew them out in that Super Bowl. And the Chiefs went out like in that first week of free agency and signed like four offensive linemen to protect homes that were solid guys. If you can pull some kind of package or maneuver like that, 
then I say, hey, you can go looking at a receiver. But if you can only get you about maybe one or two guys that's questionable or solid, then, yeah, you got to go to the O-line and draft an O-lineman in the second round. Yeah, my, my problem is, is that when you look at the free agents on the offensive line, uh, literally Tyron Smith. No, Tyron Smith is the best name associated with the left tackle position. And then my thing, Al, is you're saying if you want to get an O-lineman at 33, like what are the chances that you're going to find a franchise left tackle in the second round? Now, maybe you don't got it. It's not, I'm not saying tackle. I'm talking about guards, bro. I'm talking about guards, bro. I I hear that. I mean, I also, look, y'all know I'm a believer of kicking a Kim Aquanu to the inside, like putting him at guard. I've been a proponent of that. I think that he's much better suited to play the guard than he is a left tackle. Um, I, I think that's something that should have been done. Uh, Dexter, how would you go about it, man, uh, in terms of this O-line or wide receivers? What would you uh, tackle first, and how would you do it? Throw the bank at T. Higgins and then draft all linemen and get as many linemen as you can in free agency <laughs> all as right. well. All right, short, sweet, and to the point. I like that. Let's Throw go. the bag, man. Uh, and, yeah, T. Higgins will command the bag, and if you're not going to be paying Brian Burns, then you would really have no reason not to at that point. We man. don't have the time to wait for a second round wide receiver to put to see what he's got. We've not got the time. We need to bring Bryce's confidence back up. T. Higgins yeah. can do it. He's proven. And then all we need is more time in the pocket. Yep. Move more time in the move pocket. What is that? Uh, put Brady Christensen left tackle. Let's see where we can go. The issue is yeah. injuries. The issue is Bro, am, I the, am I the only one that believes Brady Christensen can play left tackle? Because no, I, I really do. I, I, I really do think it's a travesty that we haven't he's given just, him the opportunity to play that position, man. I think he's just Brady would have got that opportunity if we wouldn't have drafted Icky. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, man. I agree. People forget that Christensen was one of the most athletic offensive left tackles to ever come out. Of uh, of of the draft, like that's that's how highly touted he was. Even though he went in the third round, they say he had short arms, but like there have been many other left tackles that have had short arms. The only issue with him on left tackle, mm-hmm. the only issue with him at left tackle is he can't do every snap. Otherwise, or he'll be injured after week three. Man, that's a that's a point there. So, you know, he's made of chocolate. He breaks down easily. So he, he we need some depth there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, but you can say that about uh, Austin Corbett, too, at this point. So oh, yeah, again, yeah. how many, how many positions, do, how many done, positions yeah. do we even need to fill at this point on the O-line? I mean, the you can whole make a O-line. Need depth. Damn. The whole damn thing. Even Taylor Moulton. Everyone has a bunch of questions about Taylor Moulton, too. Moulton should have been gone two years ago. Yep. Should have looked to trade him. And I said that on Twitter. And, bro, people were clowning me, coming after me. I don't know. Ball. All Let's be real. Like, Let's be real. People just like to attack you anyway, Cody. Like, yeah. Bro, I'm Cody, Cody, my phone's dying, bro. Uh, I got how far they appreciate you guys, man. Uh, seeing, uh, D from Sanford and uh, Dexter, thank y'all guys. And Cody, thank yeah. you, of course. 
Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate it, man. Right, have a great day, Al, man. Uh, hey, I got my guy Cole back in the building. Back in the building. What's up, Cody? <laughs> what up, Cole? What up, man? What up? Another damn paradise. I know. Yes, it. Sir. You, can use, you can use that word today. It feels like it, even if it ain't true. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Bro, yes, this, sir. Fe- this feels like a bigger W than any W that the Panthers actually had this season, man. Yes, oh, yeah, sir. Oh, yeah, two times it happened. This is better this is than anything game. on draft night outside of Bryce, all of that shit. Can I ask I a question? I still believe in Bryce, though. Yeah, go ahead, Dex. If the, the new general manager, uh, with the new general manager, do you think we're going to have a first-round pick this year? Oh, yes, I do. I believe Yes, I do. That's a good yes, I one. I believe Tupper is one. not going to hire anybody who is not selling him on somehow or moving back into the first round. For whatever mm. reason, I just have this in my gut, that part of your selling pitch with David Tepper for that GM role is I can get us back in the first round. I guarantee it. I know we can do it. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. I like that one. I, I was saying that, too, that the Panthers might be picking in, in round one. The question is, how are you going to go about doing so? Are you trading oh. up? Like, are you trading away draft picks to move up a little bit? Or are you trading away players to move I'm up a little bit? I'm thinking it's going to be like, I'm thinking both, my future friend. draft capital and players. Future draft capital and players. I think it's going to be players. I, I think a combination of both. Cody Black, I got a question for you. All right, yeah, if, go ahead. If you trade by Brian Burns and our second-round pick, how high do you think we could get in the first if we really wanted somebody? Oh, man. 19. Yeah, that's I was a fair, about to, that's a fair I, I, number. I was about to say the low 20s. That's a fair but, number. But even still, man, you're, you're – I don't know, man. I, I just think that you want – if you're looking to move outside of the first round and, and back into the second round – I don't know if 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 even Brian Burns on a franchise tag is going to be enough because so much of why you draft the young players is the rookie contract. So how many how many how many other teams right now think that Brian Burns is worth it to pay over drafting a a young rookie defender that you don't have to pay much? I agree, Cody. But all we got to have is one sucker that'll do it, though. And that's Car- the Cardinals. I think we overpriced the, the Cardinals have so many holes that if we offer Brian Burns future draft capital, not 2024 capital, but 2025 capital, I believe we can make a move with the Cardinals somewhere in that situation because the Cardinals have more holes than we do. The only thing they have that we don't have is a quarterback. Everything else, we seem to be better than them, except for the quarterback. Yeah, well, do they have two second round picks, or they they just have their first? Because we're I not moving have two first rounders, if I'm not mistaken. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look. Because I tell you right now, they're not giving up number three. What oh, are they picking? Number, yeah, not, well, yeah, they're, they're picking number three. I'm thinking of the just, guys that there's another first rounder. But I think they picked up another one because of that Houston deal. Yeah, you're right. Let me check. Let me check. I don't think we can afford to move up flat out. We just can't afford it. We can't give up any players apart from Brian. I can understand that as well. For him. And we can't afford to give up any more draft picks. Like Pickle said in the chat, this is what got us in the mess anyway. We've just not got anything apart from giving away the whole. So as of right now, 
uh, Arizona is picking number 21. You're right, dude. That was the pick they got uh, from Houston. Right. And I think we could get that 21 if we play it right, and we shouldn't have to give up too much. I mean, the question is for what player, though? What what player are we going up for? To tell you the truth, I think they would take Burns on the franchise. They don't have any kind of edge rushers at all in in Arizona at this point. Once turn was it Chandler Jones snapped out or whatever? Yeah, but I mean the pan like like what what player would we be drafting if oh, we were well, going up? Like, that's, like, that's where we gotta. That's where yeah. we gotta do our due diligence. But I mean, at the end of the day, if we can get in the first and keep that thirty three, we're in a better position than just going for 33 of course but i'm just thinking in my head there's some way we can get into the late first round and get a 33 and then pray that we we get a draft steal you know what i mean because right now a lot of it can't be dependent on us we got to hope other things fall other ways that i'm just hoping that we get a gm and also when the GM leave, do we get rid of the scouting department or does the scouting department still stay there? Bro, I was wondering the same damn thing, man. What, what's happening with Dan Morgan? What's happening with Samir Suleiman? Right. Are, are, are all those boys safe too? Or is this just Federer? Like, I need to know. Because yeah, right now, I, I, don't, I don't know the answers to those questions. Aren't they attached? Usually the GM brings in the scouting department, right? Most of the damn time, yeah. Most of the, yeah. Well, then I would think I would think that we should be be looking for new scouts. I don't know. And then even if we do, even if we do, Cody, we do stay at the second round. This means more about getting a great general manager or a good or competent general manager, because at least there are there have been teams in the past who haven't had their first round pick and have been able to win in the draft and win in free agency. So I just feel like we've got we've got to hit with the GM. Like the coach, that's a no-brainer. You got to have a good coach. But if we don't get that GM that can that has that that cachet, we're probably having this conversation for nothing, maybe to a degree. Because Fitter, they hung their hat on. They hung the hat on Fitter because he was the assistant when they were building the Legion of Boom and all that other stuff, right? But the thing was, is the Legion of Boom wasn't built for long-term success anyway. Like, no. if you really look at it, they just threw a bunch of money into the secondary and a bunch of money into their linebacking core, and everybody else seemed to be on rookie contracts or low-end money. And that's how Seattle had that run for a minute. We're not as blessed because you got Brian Burns that damn near wants Otani money, and then you got Derek Brown that we got to think about next year, and then you got Chin and Really, to tell you the truth, if I could, and I hate to say it like this because I just hate losing talent after we've already lost talent, but I think Chin and Burn have to go for us to move forward. I just don't want to lose Brown. Really, realistically, I should be saying Brown, but my selfishness won't let me because we need somebody. That's what sucks about it, D, because Brown is the only real meaningful trade piece that you have. Right. There would be a a number of teams – Busting down the door to get Derrick Brown on their team, but right then, then then you're finding two new edge rushers and an interior defensive tackle. Right, it, it's, 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 it's it's too much. And my thing is, how do we stop the bleeding? Something we're gonna have to let something go to stop the bleeding. And at this point, right now, for me, 
I would rather Burns out the door than Derrick Brown because Derrick Brown has given us consistent production. He played like a madman yesterday for a game that meant nothing. Derrick Brown was jumping yeah. off a tape the whole game. I don't think so anyone well. else can get us a first-round pick. Oh, Brown? Uh, Brown? Yeah. I wouldn't even put a first-round pick down for Burns and Jeremy Chin together without other draft picks. Damn. Eee. Damn. Even the way he's played this year, year is even you with right, a healthy Hey, you're probably not wrong, though. You're probably not wrong. I mean, maybe maybe 20 plus, but definitely not below 15. And and you're going to have to pay both of them. My thing is this. Is there any real trade? And I don't know. You might have heard it. I haven't heard. Is there any kind of trade market for as of a Jeremy Chin? Uh, the it doesn't done. look like it right now. Not the way that the coach played him this year. Not the way the coach played him this year. There's no trade market right now. It looks like okay. Because Chin, because see, I'm still looking at Fitter because you think about it right now. I know hindsight is 2020. I do understand that. But you telling me we could have had two first round picks and possibly two second round picks if we would have let Burns to the Rams two seasons ago? His last season. Oh. Jesus, dude! The Ooh, fact that yeah. we the fact yeah. that we ever yeah. could have gotten first round picks for Brian Burns is just depressing, man. Because there were two times in a row that right. reportedly we could have. But they said this year we had offers. I don't know if they were for first rounders or not, but it was. Nah, they weren't. They had. They had. They couldn't be. They couldn't be. But it's draft capital, though. Yeah, yeah. But it's draft capital, like second round picks at least. Hey, I would have took Maybe that because you can find two, a lot. I, of I t- you can find a lot. I would have t- took that. I would have took that right away. A two and a three for Burns right now. The way he's been playing. I mean, the two first round picks. I didn't think. I didn't want. I didn't want that trade when the Rams offered because I thought it was like two and th- two, like two years down the line type right. shit. Like nah, nah. If it's two years down the line, but I didn't know it was like next year and like this year. Right. Like nah, man, take that right away, bro. Two first round picks. I was Sick. caught up in the hype. That's why I didn't want the trade when it was initially, because mm-hmm. I still had this false hope in Burns. And that's that part of fanaticism that we forget about. Is like we don't think the most logical at times when it comes to our franchise. We just want a winner. And at the time, I'm like, nah, Burns means too much to us. But when you look at the stats, I was lying to myself for the last two years. Well, because really, let's be like, statistically, the last two years, what has Brian Burns gave us? And you, you know what else? You know what else it is, D? Or you know what else? Hold on, real quick. You know what else it is, D? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. You thought that moving to a three-four would give us the best version of Brian Burns that we had ever seen. Yeah. Yep. We all thought that outside linebacker, because he's always traditionally been an undersized defensive end, whose main trait was was his speed to the pass rush, getting to the because he's the same. And he's the same that, size as T.J. Watt, and he's not T.J. Watt. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the better size for an outside linebacker. And because your hand isn't in the dirt, you have a better uh, vision line into the offensive backfield. There was reason to believe that this was going to be the best thing uh, for Brian Burns, and it didn't turn out to be that way. 
But see, this is my question to that also, though, because at the end of the day, putting Burns there in the dirt, like putting him out there at linebacker or whatever, right? At, at some point, I probably would have put went would have put him back on the line because we got better production from Brian Burns with his hand in the dirt as a right end left in than we ever have as a linebacker whatsoever. If you really yeah. look at it, Burns can't stop the run. That's been my biggest problem with him in the first place. But at the end of the day, he was just better. I haven't liked Burns since he's went to the linebacker position. If anything, no. he became worse at the linebacker position, in my opinion. And then what was that that you said yesterday, Cody, about he said that he pretty much didn't give it his all because they're going Yeah, he, he said after his, after, his, after his contract stalled and the number of injuries, that he felt like that was always on the back of his mind. And that inevitably his performance just kind of dipped after that. And I'm yeah, sorry, but to me, that, to me, that's that's excusable. Hey, real quick, uh, shout out to Cheshire Cat. Inexcusable. It's inexcusable. Uh, inexcusable. Uh, with the $10, says you don't give up Derek Brown, who has broken a record of over 100 tackles. Right. Yeah, but like that's that, that, that was our point, Cheshire. If you were ever going to trade someone for legitimate picks at this point, the only player that you're doing it with is Derek Brown. Really, and no one, no one even wants to get rid of Derek Brown. And it's not even the tackles. It's not even the tackles, Cody. It's not even the tackles, Cody. It's it's just he's just a dog, but he's one of the better D tackles in the whole league. I mean. And he's stopping the run right there. 100 tackles, that's crazy. For a D-tackle, 100 tackles for a D-tackle, that's crazy. But see, that's the that's thing crazy. When I, back, when I go back to scouting and, and like, getting in these picks, we've got to start scouting high-motor guys. They we When yeah. you're at the bottom like that, when you're not, like, a playoff contender or scratching the playoffs, the more, the more dogs you have, the more high motor guys you have, the better impact you have. Just like y'all were talking earlier about like the Burns and the Hassan Reddick and so forth. Hassan Reddick is a dog. Hassan Reddick is a high motor guy. And Burns yeah. still didn't take advantage of that. And he made that Pro Bowl when he shouldn't have. My thing is this. And we looked at Burns. Hey, me, me. Burns fits the mold. Okay? He fits the mold. He's a He's got the physique. He's got speed. He's got athleticism. He do have some tools, but he does not have that mental dog. Yeah. That you I mean, he looks like he looks like Tarzan, but he's playing like Jay. He looks like yeah, Tarzan, exactly. but he's playing like Jay. <laughs> I was watching TJ Watt Damn. Sunday before. I was watching TJ Watt Saturday before he got injured, right? And we all yeah. know yes, what sir. kind of guy. We all know what kind of guy TJ Watt is. And even of all the accolades that dude has, right? That dude's motor does not decrease. Not one stop, bro. You see what I'm saying? And Brian Burns is trying yeah. to figure out why people are skeptical about giving him Bosa and Watt money because you yeah. don't have that motor. That, you know it. what's you embarrassing? Know. You know what's embarrassing? That if 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 he were to have gotten paid, he would have mm -hmm. been making more money than Miles Garrett. Have y'all ever seen Miles Garrett play football? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, uh, okay, bro. I'm just saying there's a difference if you get my drift, you know what I mean? Like there's a real difference. Uh, it's that, also that's so much you can do. 
It's also embarrassing from that interview you mentioned on the post game show last night, where he said that he didn't yeah. um, he didn't perform because he was scared of getting hurt. Yeah. What's that hurt. about? What's yeah. that about? Like, how are we supposed to feel good about paying you in your final year if you feel like one year of ten plus sacks is enough to get you paid like a big dog? Come on. I'm, ready go. I'm ready for him to go now. After you had brought that out the light yesterday, Cody. Yeah. I was done. I was done. Cody, he's not an elite, he's not an elite pass rusher. Until you can go through offensive tackle and tight end's chest every single play instead of running around them, I'm never gonna classify you as an elite pass rusher. You gotta body somebody for me to do that. Yeah. yeah. There's only there's only one time I seen him actually run through a tackle, bro. That was that was the first game of last season when they played Cleveland, and they did rob him though. They did rob us. But that's the only really time I really see him run through a fucking tackle, bro. It's just zero consistency. Zero consistency. Apart from Brown, he doesn't have enough moves. Yeah. If one tight end end can block you, you're not an elite um, edge rusher. Yeah, And if you check the tape of all years, it's happened all years, not just one or two games. It's every game when no-name people are bodying him. Mm -hmm. I I said on the film room, he has no secondary pass rush maneuvers. Once he gets to the back foot, he has an inability to then turn and point his body directly at the quarterback to finish the sack. Uh, you know, if we go back his entire year here in Carolina, how many near misses are on Brian Burns' film where he gets to the quarterback but then fails to wrap up and get the sack? Probably just, just as many as he has sacks, you know, Cody, to be really honest. It's probably the same number. That's his and you've seen, you seen it. And you've seen it. You seen it even yesterday in the game, Cody. You seen it yesterday in the game. The one that Derrick Brown got, that should have been Burns' fucking sack. Yeah. One hundred percent. Do it too many times on film, too many times on film. And I promise you, no one wants to be up here shitting on our best players. But dude, don't pretend you're Julius Peppers. Far you're from. Not, don't do that. You're not, you're not <laughs> Julius Peppers, bro. You're not. I think. I think the thing is, is us as a fan base, and we had guys like drafted like Luke Kuechly and Peppers and them that. We had got spoiled to the fact that, like, if they come to Carolina and they got some hype, they must be good anyway. And we've gotten to a point that that's not the case for us anymore, okay? Like, we're getting guys, and we're not even picking up guys with name value, but they're hyping them up, and we're thinking because, well, we haven't been that bad traditionally overall, like the Browns were for so many years and stuff like that. We think you guys could work. It's now at a point yeah, now that we understand. We just understand now that that whole moniker, keep pounding and everything that we stood by, is really, really gone now. Like it we're is. Not a, it hurts. We're not a dominant running team. We're not a dominant defensive team. And that's what we hung our hat on. And I understand that you got to evolve with the game. And there's ways you can do that. But we did not. We did not make the moves. We made bad decisions. We have done things that now we have to pay for. Well, you know what? Let me take that back. We've done nothing. Our front office has the ones that screwed it, and we are the ones now having to pay for it. Oh, yeah. Like, that's why I have a smile on my face about Fitter 
yeah, I do have some hesitation just off the fact that this front office, as far as the owner, hasn't made not one good decision besides bringing Beyonce to the city in his whole time of being there. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it is Beyonce, though. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, he did bring in Beyonce. It is Beyonce. So That's Beyonce. Who doesn't want to look at Beyonce? But what I'm saying, I, I for free. You see what I'm saying? My thing is, yeah, at, at the retired. end of the day, like, like even um, I was listening to this one gentleman before that was talking about when the soccer team had up and downs and he'll fire them real quick and get somebody else, have coaches make the playoffs and still fire them, right? And we hold on to Matt Rule for forever in the day. Like, I, I, I just don't know about Tupper. I mean, I like Tupper. And the reason why I like Tupper is because I have no choice but to like Tupper because he's our own. But outside of the liking him because he's one of us, I can't stand the dude. Like, I feel like I make more competent decisions on Madden than than he does. Oh, and, and I mean, no literally, doubt. and I'm not one of them people that go out and stack teams and make outrageous teams. All yeah. I do is just make a team. But it's just strange to me. It's just strange to me that when they decided to get Bryce, and mind you, I was on the C3 when all this was going on, and we was talking about Adam Thielen. And from what I can remember, more people at the time was down on us having Adam Thielen than us even picking up DJ Chart. More people were hollering that we were getting DJ Chart than Adam Thielen. And all it was was because of the age of that man. That's all it was. And then Adam Thielen to come out here and be our top receiver, our yeah. most consistent receiver. Yeah, over a thousand yards receiving. Right. And you know that the situation is bad when there's a 33-year-old guy who just had one of his best seasons in the last two to three seasons at his age. And he's even questioning if he wants to come back to a place where he got his value back again. He's like, I, I want to go. So you know that well, you know what he did not say that he wanted to go, but it hints that he's not. We he can't be mad at him if he does. Yeah, and like if feeling if feeling leaves, right? I will be mad just off the ground, not at him, but just that our front office who tried to sell to every single one of us that we were a quarterback away, and that's why we were trading up. Because we was a quarterback away, and I'm more upset. Yeah, and I'm upset. I'm highly upset, but I'm upset at myself because I drunk the Kool Aid, and more of it because I wanted to believe that, and I wanted us to be better than what we were. And in all actuality, if I was to sit down and go in my head and really think of what we had on paper going into this year, I was foolish thinking that we were going to be significantly better. Um, the Miles Sanders, yeah, we got fooled. Um, Adam Thielen, that's the only offseason move it seemed that we made that paid off. We didn't know Hayden Hurst was going to be injury prone, but also in the same breath, we didn't know Hayden Hurst was broken like that, that he wasn't going to be a baby. Like, yeah. it's almost like he literally had, he had amnesia this year. I that, feel like we that, didn't do our due diligence. 
That's the best thing that could have happened to him. That's one of the why. Yeah, yeah. He forgot that he was a Panther for a hot minute. The Bro, only member of the team him. that's not gonna remember this record. Oh, dude. And you know, we're talking about Adam Thielen, and now even though we signed a three-year contract, Adam huh. Thielen has basically told everyone that he's out the paint. Adam I think Dillon's we're getting a fourth coming. round before him. We're gonna end up it, getting a fourth round. He's, I'm cool he's, with he it. wants to go somewhere that they have a chance to win a Super Bowl, which, to be honest, is what he thought he was doing this year. He even said so many words that he believed in the vision that Frank Reich has had. And he keeps on saying, plans change, plans change. But that's his way of telling you, hey, me and my wife have decided that my ass is not in the future plans for the Carolina Panthers. But what if they bring in a what if they bring in a a that like let's say they bring in a hardball or Ben Johnson? Could that easily change his mind? Potentially. I I, I think the only Especially if the money's good as well. The only coach that would convince him to stay, in my opinion, is a coach with tenure like a uh, like a Jim Harbaugh or a Bill Belichick. I think that if you bring in a Bobby Slovic or a Ben Johnson who doesn't have that prior head coaching knowledge, yeah, I think he's going to somewhere different because he's like, all right, but now this is a team that's finally starting the rebuild that they should have done forever ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Adam Thielen is out of here, boys. Straight yeah. up. Usually I would be mad in a situation like this. I can't be mad at it either. This is what I'll say about Thielen. And that's the only mm-hmm. thing I got to say. Thank you, Adam Thielen, for the effort that you gave us this year. Yes, sir. And if you wouldn't yes, have been on our roster this year, we might have been, oh, <laughs> no wins whatsoever. He was the only yeah. person that Bryce could even get the ball to at one point. Hey, you are not wrong on that. Go ahead, Dexter. I know you're going to say something. I'm just going to get going, boys. It's uh, I've got some things to do. I've still got to eat my dinner and stuff. So, oh, yeah, boys, yeah. Hey, um, hey what, 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 what time is it where you're at right now, Dex? Oh, it's early compared to the free-for-all days, bro. But, I know. Uh, we're, we're... <laughs> it's 8 o'clock. It's like 8 o'clock. That's a warrior right there. I'd love to see it. What time is it over there? <laughs> Seven forty-five, still early. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah man. Uh, well, um, but yeah, man, I appreciate you, Jackson. We're probably getting ready to get off of here anyway. Um, you know, we did a, did another forty-five minutes. I wanted to make sure I got Panthers Nation opinion on the matter, man. I can't thank y'all enough, man. D, you know I love you, man. Appreciate you, Al the Sailor, my guy. Yo, bro. Yes, sir. Field. Man, we appreciate y'all, man. I love having y'all in here. I wanted to make sure we got everyone's opinion uh, on, on Federer, man, on this entire year and what we have to be looking forward to, man. Um, boys, any last words before we jump out? Cole? Yeah, we got new. We got new. Oh, my bad. No, go ahead, Al. No, I'll, I'll go, you ahead. go ahead, bro. No, we got new management, so now we can just – it's just it's like a clean slate now, at least for a little bit, you know what I'm saying? So – I mean that. That's I mean that's why I got looking forward to the next year, bro. That's the only thing I got looking forward to the next year. Cole, give me the final words, man. Cody, it's bad to say, but honestly, man, I'm just happy the season's over, and I'm really happy for you too, man, because you put in so much time, effort, and energy into this shit. And we have just got our throat shitted down for 17 weeks in a row. It just feels like, man. So it's been really hard on all the whole fan base. I'm just glad we get a little more peace going into the draft. Hopefully, we can turn it around. Yeah, man. And you know what? C3 Panthers podcast. We're here year round. 
Our season's not even over, Yes, man. sir. Probably doing his like, faces tonight. Dude, dude. Uh, C3, we are a year-round Panthers podcast. Just like my man Kevin Case, we don't get tired. What's up? Uh, Cole, I appreciate you, brother. C3 Panther Nation. I appreciate yes, y'all. Uh, until tomorrow night when we do the Tuesday show in earnest, I'm your host, Cody Lashley. And... Um, it's a long road ahead, Panther Nation. Buckle up, because we're on this ride together. Keep pounding. Keep pounding.